Hello and welcome back to the Super Show. It is a brand new year and it is a brand new me and Jamie. Um, we've killed Chris. We decided that we didn't want him back in, in year two. No, I'm joking. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock yeah, that on the head now. No, there, there was a comment on the last video that said the, we needed to change up the format, find something new, and what could be more new than killing off the previous host and just going on without him? <laughs> Yeah, we chucked him off a bridge. Somewhere. No, he didn't. He's um, he's unfortunately predisposed somewhere else, so he can't be here. Um, or indisposed, not predisposed. Indisposed yeah. somewhere else. Um, hello, that weirdness out the way, Jamie. Let me get yeah. on with it. We are a gaming podcast. Thank you very much for joining us in the brand new year of 2021. Um, you can find us on YouTube and Twitter at Super Show Pod, And we are on not just YouTube, if you're looking at us here in video form, but we're also on all of the main podcasting platforms. So um, you can catch us there. And Jamie, we're also yeah. radio, radio superstars. We are radio, radio superstars. superstars. Because uh, we have a weekly slot, Thursday 10pm, on paisleyradio.com. So you can check us out there in real time, like a proper radio show, which That's is pretty exciting. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, but Jamie, how the hell are you? Because uh, it's a new year. <laughs> it is a new year. I guess, yeah, for anyone wondering, we actually pre-recorded most of the stuff you'd have seen us put out over the Christmas period. We had one video that I think went out around Christmas Day that was uh, entirely obviously pre-edited because it wasn't a podcast. And then our sort of New Year's podcast was also recorded even before Christmas. So this is a strange thing where it's the first time we've sat down to talk properly this entire year. It's the first time we've sat down to do a podcast this entire year. And yet we're, we're, uh, we're missing one of our brothers, our brothers in arms. And it's we not are, Chris's but- fault before anyone jumps to any conclusions. <laughs> No, he didn't just get trashed so bad the other Christmas that he couldn't. <laughs> it's um, not some hangover or something. Like that. Hey, we're all getting we're all getting older, and hangovers last longer and longer. But that is not it. So, um, hopefully, he will be back, uh, raring to go next week. And um, we might do uh, something cool, but we'll we'll see. We'll see yeah, how we go. We got some ideas. Um, but before we jump into some news stories and some chat, I would quickly like to mention the absolute legends that uh, really do keep the wheels on this little car that we of our, uh, <laughs> our podcast. And they are, of course, our Patreons um, over at patreon.com forward slash super show. They are AIM, Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Brett Z, a.k.a. Shellshock, Hacksaw Book Reed. I changed my name at Chris's request. Wow, great new name. Uh, Jesper Camdahl-Nielsen, Javela Cujo, Leo Merger, Lolly Thompson, Magic Grits, Martin Skihan, Mindful Pig, Nathan Piers, Sean Kennedy, Slipper Meat, Starfall Kid and Scary Omen, and the big dogs, Freddie Careofficial, Manuel Guerrero, Peaswad, and the Dude Abides. Um, they are all awesome people that support us. Absolute uh, legends. Patreon. Not just those people, though, because they are um, the people that get a little shout out but we've got lots and lots of other people um did you us, did so. you almost say hundreds i did and then i suddenly <laughs> thought do you know what because we're nearly because uh, i i looked recently and we were we're at like 80 and i remember thinking it's nearly 100 and that was exciting it I, I thought you were on sec, some 2021 shit hundreds. like you're trying to manifest the things you want in your I life by just if just saying them out loud Hey, if we can hit 200 patrons inside of um, 2021, that'd be amazing. And it's only $2, Jamie, and that gives you access to our Discord. You get access to some uh, extra content if you um, go for the $5 band. You get some behind-the-scenes stuff. You get a little bit of um, special special podcast editions, the After Darks that we put out there. So, I think I'll maybe. pass, but it's a nice idea. <laughs> think about checking it out. <laughs> yeah. um, but hey... Do you know what? It's a new year, Jamie. It's 2021. I haven't spoken to you properly. But I want to know what you've been I playing. I know. What have I been playing? Not as much as I'd have liked to have been playing, I guess, the short answer, especially for someone who, 
and again, we haven't talked about this either because we haven't had a podcast since it all went down. But I didn't get to uh, go anywhere over Christmas or New Year's. I was uh, not quite on my own, but more on my own than I'd have liked to have been. And more importantly, stuck at home with all the gaming uh, consoles I could ever ask for at my fingertips. And I didn't really fucking use them. And do you know why? <laughs> Why? Because of a little game called Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is at this point probably the bane of my existence. I don't think it's an exaggeration (laughs) to say that. I really wanted to go about this in the right way, which meant finishing one game before I moved on to another one. And it turns out finishing AC Valhalla has been more problematic than I thought it would be. Uh, I'm working on it. That surprises me. If there was one person who could finish... Uh, an Assassin's oh. Creed game, I would have said it was you. Well, I, I do get distracted. Obviously, we, you and I have both been working a lot lately, um, and that freelance uh, sort of work cycle can uh, take its toll on gaming time before anything else sometimes, because you just keep on going, especially Absolutely. in the evenings. Uh, and I also still have a bad habit for Warzone, which uh, you experienced last night, was we had a little <laughs> oh, session. to great effect. Yeah, well, we can get, we can get back around to that. <laughs> but that meant that sometimes... What my Assassin's Creed time has been lately uh, has been when I finish playing Warzone, I'll spend two or three hours before I actually go to bed playing Assassin's Creed. And I will give a shout out to Assassin's Creed because it does one really smart thing that I don't remember Odyssey or Origins doing quite to this extent, which is it compartmentalizes its story in in a really nice way. By which I mean the game is split up into regions. I guess they're kind of close to counties for us here who actually live in England, but they're not exactly counties. Uh, they don't line up exactly one-to-one. But what they do is they all have self-contained story arcs that have very clear beginnings and ends. So essentially, you go back to your base, you say, I'm going to pledge to this region because the idea is you're going through the whole of England trying to create alliances with your uh, camp, so to speak. And once you pledge to a place, you go on a story arc at that place, you finish, you pled, you forge that alliance, and then that arc is done, and that region is done. And so you can move on, and that leaves you, leaves you with really nice places to put the game down for a little while. The difficulty is what's going to motivate you to drag your ass back into that world and pledge to another place, and that's what I'm struggling right. with. I'm at about the 45 to 50-hour mark, having now realized I spent the first 20 to 30 hours playing it really slowly, because I was podcasting it for a while and doing a lot of side shit. Um, it's a struggle. And um, let me just say, Jonesy, I got some games for Christmas. Half of them are behind me, if anyone can see. Like, <laughs> Still I shall, I, shall I show them? Yeah, let's have a look. Let's see what you got. This is, great stack, this is this isn't picture. even all of them, because I, I've already played one of the new games i got. So I've got uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising, still sat there sealed. This is a, a side one. I don't need to be playing. NBA, NBA 2K21, sealed. Watch Dogs Legion. Sealed. Sackboy A Big Adventure. Sealed. Demon Souls. Sealed. And then, weirdly enough, a physical copy of the PC version of Cyberpunk. Sealed. Um, and I think anyone that knows me well enough uh, will take that, and my mother was foremost amongst this, will take that as the truest indication you could get that we have, in fact, been busy and we're not <laughs> yeah. sitting around with us doing fuck all and wasting time playing video games. Um Absolutely. Yeah, uh, the one thing I, ha- I have played some of, and I'll give a quick shout out to, or not, though I can't go too deep on it, is uh, Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity. That was originally part of that haul, but because it's a Switch game, I found it a little bit easier to sort of, uh, you know, tuck away at night, so to speak. Um, sure, yeah, a couple of hours here and there. I think it's okay. It is one of those Warriors games uh, that benefits from all the Breath of the Wild elements that it picks and chooses from, and even some story and setting elements that. Uh, 
that let lift up that kind of like raise the uh, raise the uh, the level that those games uh, sometimes peak at, um, but not not quite to the extent that I'd have liked. It, it does still feel like I'm playing a Dynasty Warriors clone where I'm just mashing buttons over and over again and <laughs> watching hundreds of people like fly back in the air backwards. Um, but that's not a terrible thing. You know, as you, no, sometimes you want a bit of that, don't you? Yeah, that's, plus, that's all you want. Playing a bad game before you go to bed, what more could you ask for? It sends you right to sleep. So it's, it's, it's the perfect remedy. About it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's... Absolutely. Pretty much been my re- as depressing it is. That's been my recap. That's two weeks of gaming summed up with the fact that I've got six sealed video games over my shoulder. Uh, but how about you? Do you know what I did? I did pretty well um, over Christmas specifically. Okay, um, but so in case people don't know, um, not UK people. So as Jamie was alluding to, um, the UK kind of went back into like mini lockdown, and we effectively had a situation where we were told. Um, you know, we said you could have Christmas, you can't have Christmas. And most of the country, I think a third of the country are banned from having Christmas um, or, or going to other people's houses. Yeah. I, um, so around that period, I got a lot of gaming done. Um, they then did another thing where they shut all the schools. So now <laughs> I am into full on oh. uh, daddy daycare mode. So I've got, you know, not much time for gaming at all. But you, and you said this, I don't know if you said it on a podcast, I got a game for my birthday and I said I wasn't going to play it and you were like, what a load of rubbish, you're definitely playing this as soon as you get it. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. I, and I have played a lot of Ghost of Tsushima. Hell yeah. Um, it's, it's actually been a surprise to me. Okay. Um, it's very similar to what I expected in a number of ways, but it's it's kind of not in a whole load of nice, really nice ways. So some of the criticisms I'd read online and I'd seen about it um, I think I will feel more as I get further into the game, but that is a very well-crafted, beautiful, open-world game. Like, it is fantastic in a load of ways, and I've I've really been enjoying it. I've, I've got a lot of love for Ghost of Tsushima. What, what are the things that you alluded to there that you were a bit worried about but have been pleasantly surprised by, so, if there are um, any specifics? Yeah, so some of the criticisms I'd read were about the way you kind of encounter people in the open world. I think we actually had a conversation about um, the way that you get given some quests in the game. I think you'd said that the way that you you go and meet... So you were sort of the opposite to what I'd read, whereas you said you go and meet some people and they give you sort of quests to do and it, it works quite well. But I'd read some criticism that was people were saying it's kind of a... Oh. not. Not fetch questy, but it's very much go here, talk to this person, then they say you need to go and talk to that person. Yeah. And it feels a bit, you know, like an old school game like that. But actually, for everything I've played so far, and I'm only in Act 1, so I've done, I think, all the missions in Act 1. Um, I think yeah. I'm maybe like 10 hours in, 15 hours in, something like that. Um, it kind of feels really right to me. The way that you are this samurai who's trying to reclaim his homeland and you're fighting off these people and you are you, you meet peasants on the road who say they're attacking the bridge and you kind of go and <laughs> fight them at the bridge and then you go somewhere else. And I remember that one. Oh, okay, there you go. It is a little ludicrous in that you are one guy and you are taking on, like, everyone. You're taking oh, you, on the entire Mongol that's, army. That's video games, right? Like, everyone's exactly. a one-man army. <clears throat> and there's, it's, I mean, Jesus, it's such a Assassin's Creed clone. Like, it couldn't be more Assassin's Creed if it tried. It, actually, do you know what, though? It's probably better <laughs> Assassin's Creed than Assassin's Creed is now, um, in that kind of, in some ways. Um, there's a strange thing in, in Ghost that you 
you're torn between the honorific path of being the samurai and selecting standoff and getting off your horse and facing people down one-on-one um, versus like sneaking in, thinning the ranks, taking out the archers and then finishing people off. Like it's, it's actually, it seems to be like a, I'm torn, I'm torn and the character's torn and there's a nice yeah. little narrative going there which works quite well. Um, people haven't played it, you know, it's quite a cool little thing where you get cutscenes where the Mongol leader like talks to your uncle about how you're dishonouring yourself because you're you're stabbing people in the back rather than looking them in the eye when you kill them sort of thing. But no, I absolutely love it. Um, it's one of those games, I'm sure people know what I mean, where as soon as I realised you could flick the D-pad to the right and you could flick the blood off your sword and sheath it, like yeah. you look like a badass. Like, Flicking the blood of your sword will never get old. And it's- I didn't realise you could do that at first. Because I think like, oh, it's 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 no. also it's kind of like it's the gesture you do to put your sword away. But if you've just come out of combat and there's blood on it, he does that before he sheaths it. Yes. So it's almost like a hidden command. It's I will give some I will give high praise to a game, and this is one of the highest praises I can give. Is um, I went away and watched a samurai movie, right? Yeah, because I wanted more of that world, and I was enjoying ghosts, ghosts so could, much. I could like, I guess which more. samurai movie you watched? You can the Last Samurai. No, a proper, a proper samurai movie. <laughs> I was going to say, last samurai. I, like, I, don't, I don't know why, I just had this sudden feeling like, I reckon Josie's go-to samurai movie is the one where the white guy is the samurai. Oh, no, did you did you see my post on Twitter about that? I did not. What not was to, the post? Not to derail our conversation, but... So I was, I was looking for a samurai movie on Sky, right? Um, and I thought, okay, let me just type in samurai and see if it gives okay. me... Yeah lists of you know samurai movies so i, I guess watch. we sh- should we say for anyone watching the sky is like a satellite tv kind of thing out here but also now like it, they do internet and you movies on demand and all that kind of it, stuff exactly yeah and they've got quite a good range and so i wanted to watch like a proper um samurai movie but la but the last samurai came up and i happened to read the blurb i've seen this okay film, right can i read you the blurb this is what i tweeted this is Please. the description of the last samurai okay And this is all it says. There's no other description for the film. It says, The Last Samurai. This film has outdated attitudes, language, and cultural depictions, which may cause offence today. Epic adventure with Tom Cruise violent scenes. (laughs) That's not like a... There's not a distinction there. Like, one one part of that was a disclaimer, and the other part is the synopsis. That's all one thing. Yes. So the last bit, the epic adventure, is a different sentence. But it doesn't tell you what the film's about. What the fuck is that? I mean, they're they're right, but you don't learn anything from that. It doesn't say it should tell you what the film's about, and then say this film contains outdated. Like, but then, really but then, odd. even if they're right, are we really at that point where if you're on your t- satellite TV or cable TV provider, or even like a streaming service? Where imagine going on Netflix and be like, oh, I wonder what this film is about. And it's like the first thing it tells you is, just so you know, this has really outdated blah blah blah. Like, and that's basically all it says. If that's all it says, you should probably delete it. If that's the whole description you're like, going to have on your service, was, just take what, it off your service. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of now, like, think now, like a f- really famously kind of like badly outdated film for reasons the sat- last summer I could be considered uh, uh, out of touch. But um, but yeah, I'm just, I don't I'm, know. I've got no idea. But like, yeah, that that's a really strange way to go about. Unless you're actively trying to dissuade people from watching that movie, but then why would you have it on your service? Exactly, that's what I mean. It's, it's strange. If you're going to say that and nothing else, just delete it. If you're that, bizarre. Bug, if you're that bugged about it, just get what rid of it. What did you end up watching? Oh, so it was called um, uh, Death of a Samurai. Um, oh, what, uh, Harry, 
Harry Carey, is it? Harry Carey? I don't know. You know, the, the ritual suicide that they perform. Is oh, cool when film. they like disembowel themselves or whatever it's exactly, called. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it was, a, no, it was a proper kind of from Japan. Like yeah. it was a, uh, you, it was, a, it wasn't like a westernized version of like a Japanese story. It was an interesting story where the guy, um, so, okay, this, this, I don't know if this was a true thing, but okay, the, the, the story is, I'll, go, I'll give you a little rundown before we move on. So effectively, um, a young lad goes to a, um, uh, like a lord's house or a rich guy's house who had loads of samurai who work for him. And he says, I am a dishonoured samurai, or not dishonoured, like I'm a, what do you call it? A, a samurai from a house which has been dissolved. I've got nowhere to go. I'm poor. I've got no money. So I would like to commit ritual suicide or harikiri in the grounds of your house because that means that if they do it there, then they kind of get some of their um, nobility back because okay. they die in a in a well-to-do house. But, ah, this is the twisty twist. Um, it's actually a bit of a bluff. And the idea is that the nobleman doesn't really want you to kill yourself in his garden. Um, so he says, I'll give you some money and you just go away or I will give you um, a job. And this is how uh, samurai have lost their or jobs or whatever, or, or you know, have gone into poverty um, or people just who wanted something to do can go and get a job or, or get some money out of it. And they call it, I think they call it a suicide bluff. And so hmm. this lad does that, but then they they know it's a bluff, so they make him do it. Weird. Um, okay. They make him kill himself for real, and then you hear. Then you find out like with the behind what happened and who he was, and um, yeah, it's, it's a cool movie. I, if you haven't seen it, check it I mean, out. I, I think I, I watched it on Prime. I I, I was going to say I haven't seen it, but then also, and maybe I shouldn't be admitting this on a podcast, but samurai movies are a bit of a blind spot for me. Where that's one Me of the too. things where I, I grew too. up uh, and I realised that, like, for example, my mum is really into westerns and so I got some stuff that way. And my dad was much better with, you know, some of the bigger films through the world, like, of course, doing western films through the, you know, the 70s and 80s and 90s especially. And so I grew up with some of them. And Well, do the, you the, like Magnificent Seven? Uh, Have you I haven't seen, seen Magnificent it. Magnificent Seven? Oh, okay. I haven't seen The Magnificent Seven or Seven Samurai. I was, oh, right, I was going to say that's because obviously See, that's, that's, the, the, these are, that, that, that's some of the examples of like blind spots in my. I still remember like you want to talk about sort of like westerns and the, uh, from that era as well. Like my mum, the the main one that everyone talks about, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The, those my mum was the person who made me sit down and watch that. I remember thinking like, yeah, I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and like samurai stuff is all very cool. And ironically, some of the stuff that maybe came after samurai movies, like when there was still that sort of like. Um, you know, there was a big renaissance of sort of like martial arts movies, and then there are a lot of people yeah. nowadays who like you watch, you know, Kill Bill Volume Two. It's a very bad example, a very corny example, I know, but it's obvious that some so many of those sequences and so many of those ideas are still inspired by uh, cinema from that era, uh, and yet it's not something I've gone back to uh, for one no, reason or another. I'm similar to you in that I, it wasn't a thing I was ever big into, but. Um, I've got an itch. I've got an itch now because of ghosts, and I'm and I want some more. There you go. Um, so you know, um, Ghost has a um, a Kurosawa mode. Yes, where you can, I, uh, um, I was going to use it, and it was, but uh, it's such a pretty game with yeah, all the colours and everything. It was. I felt like I was like I'd miss I out. Thought the same thing. <laughs> Joe, we've got to keep tabs on your progress with Ghost of Tsushima because I had a weird thing where I fell off Ghost of Tsushima early in Act Two. I thought the plot lost a little bit of momentum. I stopped playing it and I put it down for a solid three or four weeks, came back, said to myself, I've got to finish it. And for whatever reason, once I got over that hump, loved every second of the tail okay. end of Act 2 and Act 3. 
Interesting. So, it's, yeah. I'm in a strange place because in Act One, the, the story for people that don't know is a bit of an odd one in that you, well, it's not odd, but you you try and free your uncle from like this castle or this big um, fort, whatever, and you get the crap kicked out of you by a Mongol leader. Uh, and then you're then like, I need to get a team of samurai to help me get back and get through the castle and save my uncle. But I mean, that to me, it's quite a strange setup. It's cool. But the fact that you could walk up to that bridge to the gates of the the samurai leader's place quite easily, it's a weird thing. And that then you're like, I now need a team with me. Why did you think you could do it on your own in the first place then, mate? Like, yeah. And even the odd. team, like the team is cool. The people he gets in it, they're all very interesting for different reasons. And Ghost of Tsushima has a smart way of prolonging uh, sub-stories uh, and side stories through side missions over the yeah. course of all three acts with characters that keep popping up in sort of con- inside the context of that team. But at the same time, it's not a very big team. It's like, <laughs> no. you fucking destroyed me. Like, I didn't even make it over the bridge first time around, but now I've got this chick and this dude with me. We're going to fuck you up. But the, the game's weird as well, because then it gets the whole ghost thing where you can do things stealthily and you can sneak in and you can... And yeah. it almost feels like I could probably do the thing on my own now, like with no team. You because probably I could. could just sneak in and do some stealthy takedowns and whatever. But no, I'm I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Good. Um, definitely going to stick with it and then, um, until I, maybe I get to the beginning of Act 2. We'll see how I go. A uh, couple of the little things I've, I've been playing. Um, yeah. Warzone, Jamie. Warzone. I played a game of Warzone <laughs> with you and got my first my first ever win on Rebirth Island. And um, I got zero kills, zero points, did zero damage because I died in the first 30 seconds in a helicopter. Um, yeah. But then you made 15 kills to win the whole thing. So thank you very much. <laughs> it's just one of those games. And I think anyone who, who sort of played a, a Battle Royale has had a game like it at some point. Maybe not exactly like it, but more or less where... Everything just kind of keeps playing into your favour. There was one point where I was upstairs in a building and would you say maybe three, four, five people all came up the stairs one by one, but yes. never at the same time. Um, they would just always let you get position, exactly. drill them in the head with a heel. It was literally the kind of thing where I, every time I had enough time to uh, get my armour back to full and to reload and then take position at the top of the stairs again for another guy to run up, they'd always drop me exactly what I needed. So I always had my plates and I had my armour. Oh, sorry, I had my plates and I had my ammo. And then, yeah, the the final circle was a bit of a gift. I had some nice cover at the end, and I, you know, had to I had to wipe a few teams. But with you and my ear, Jonesy, I, I never doubted myself. <laughs> you made some lovely, lovely shots, uh, lovely you. headshots with the old DRM to finish people off. Which was the, uh, the D- yeah, the mo- DMR, the most broken uh, DMR, sorry. still the most broken gun of the game, even after being quote unquote nerfed. A joy to watch, mate. A joy to watch. A uh, joy um, to play with you. Even if we didn't quite pull off the helicopter heist at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, my great idea. Well, can see, okay, I, it wasn't crazy though, right? Anyone thinking no. I'm crazy? I'd played Rebirth Island before and I got in a helicopter, sat in it for 20 minutes, got all the way down to the final two teams and it was just me left and this other team. So I was telling Jamie and Martin, who we were playing with from um, uh, Just Interesting, that, hey, this is a great plan. We get in a helicopter, we'll just circle around once you guys have got some wet, some uh, guns and stuff. And then we got, me and Martin got blown up on my straightaway. So um, You almost, you were trying to save my life while you did it, though. That was the thing, is I actually went down very early and you guys flew the helicopter alongside me and Martin was shooting up the side. <laughs> it was very cinematic. And then all three of us died. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Um, but no, that's that's pretty much it for me. Um, I've put Cyberpunk on a back burner. Anyone who's wondering, isn't he been playing <laughs> really? Cyberpunk? Really? Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've put it because 
I read a lot of stuff and I thought about it a lot and I was, I'm really keen to let them get uh, the two patches out for January, February. And like I said, I've not got any time at the moment. I'm really out of time completely. We So we're yeah. recording this at almost midnight because you know, timings and kids and gaming and stuff is all very difficult. So I'm, I thought, you know what? I'll put that on a back burner. I'll wait till they patch it out. I'll try and get some more time for myself to then play it and finish it off. Um, but actually, we will talk about a bit of cyberpunk uh, after the comment of the week. So should we should we roll through that, Jamie? And then, uh... <laughs> yeah, somehow that fucking video game is still in the news. <laughs> Just when we think we've escaped it. So, okay, the comment of the week this week comes from P.A. Felton. Uh, and this is about me. So he said, it was right around the 24-minute mark um, from, the last, from the last podcast when he said he's still paying for Stadia, but I realised Jonesy is the Carl Pilkington of Super Show. Um I don't mind that comment, Jamie, at all. Oh, I was going to say, how does that? How do you feel? I have been a Carl Pilkinson fan for a long time, uh-huh. and he has his own TV show on Sky, and he's had multiple TV shows on Sky. Uh, so, Sky, if, if anyone from Sky is listening, <laughs> hit me. You know, <laughs> oh, not the people me. we know, but other people. Um, yeah, yeah. Drop me a line if oh, you want a star. I, I, will, I will say, uh, I, I, even if you do. Uh, embrace the uh, the uh, Carl Pilkington sort of title within the Super Show. It's not quite as sort of... I always felt watching that show when it, when it saw the Ricky Gervais show, whatever it was called, and, and Carl was kind of the the guy that they almost brought in as a guest. It was almost like two guys in, in Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant that had gone to the zoo and were kind of like poking <laughs> this animal that was on the other side of the cage and hoping it said funny or more often than not dumb shit. I don't think you're at that point <laughs> with your relationship with Chris. Not and yet. Not yet. Maybe I don't, when I don't, it comes I don't to think we bring you on just to prod you and say dumb stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. Maybe hey, twenty twenty one's only just started, so we'll see. We'll see where we go from here. Yeah. Um, but hey, okay. But on the stadia point, right? P. A. Felton. Let me answer your question. You haven't got a question, but let me answer it anyway. <laughs> because so my thing with stadia, if you've been if you've hung around ATG or Super Show for a decent amount of time, you'll know that Jamie and I have this ongoing thing that I think cloud gaming holy cloud gaming is going to take over consoles are going to um, diminish and that's going to be where it's at so i've kind of been wedded to the idea of cloud gaming and stadia when they very first announced it for me seemed like it could be the first step on that road um you know it was a big company uh playing putting out games there and we were like netflix for games you can play any games you want with a, a minimum subscription or a minimal subscri- subscription when they came out and said you had to buy the games and you get, you know, a few free titles and things like that, very quickly realised it wasn't that, but I felt like I should support them, which is why I used to be a subscriber to Stadia. I actually, <gasps> can- actually cancelled it um, last week. So Was it this comment that made you cancel it? No, no, it was... Um, I don't, I don't want to get into it, obviously, but uh, due to the whole situation in the UK and schooling child however i'm effectively uh gonna be probably doing a lot less working and a lot more looking after kids than i have been so trying to tighten the belt cut costs where they can be cut and do you know one of the things i don't need on a monthly basis is stadia so um, true yeah wow so i go. mean you know what it, it almost came up tramps for you when there were those very odd reports that emerged uh, just a couple of weeks ago now, where people realised, actually, when a game like Cyberpunk 2077 comes out and old consoles are falling over themselves in their attempts to run that game at an acceptable frame rate, Stadia could have actually been there for anyone bold enough 
to buy and, I guess, theoretically own a game on Stadia. I personally don't know anyone who took the plunge, and I don't know if anyone really wants to start building out a library on that platform. I can't blame them either. But that was an interesting use case. Not one that you should rely on for your purchasing decisions in the future, but certainly interesting. Like if anyone who didn't, who knew a PS5, an Xbox Series X, or a high-end PC was completely out of reach for them and desperately wanted to play Cyberpunk in a better state than they could as it was. Well, for me, like Stadia, just have the first three hours of every game free mm-hmm. for anyone who's got a paid subscription. Yep. You, I mean, just imagine if you'd have said to people, five ninety nine or whatever it is, six ninety nine of Stadia, and you can play three hours of Cyberpunk. You would have had like thousands of people signing up just yeah. to try that game out, just to see what the experience was like. You would have even had people like me that already owned it on console playing it on Stadia to see how it compared. Like they they are they are such a bizarre sort of um uh de- department of Google when it comes to this yeah. is how we're gonna run this. It's such an odd model, man. It's, and, it's, and, and, that, and that's why I, I'm still I think you and me still have a, a debate that's worth keeping an eye on because what Google Stadia has illustrated is not that there's no demand for a product or a service like that, or that it doesn't serve any purpose, but just that Google haven't executed on everything they needed to in the way that made the most sense for the kind of people they're trying to appeal to. So when you hear that Amazon are, I actually don't know what the latest is on on their effort, whether that thing is you know available to the public yet or whether it's still in some kind of beta form. But when they're talking about what they're talking about, which I believe, have you heard that they're kind of doing this idea of channels that you might subscribe to the Ubisoft channel for like a certain amount per month and that you have access to that small library of games. Uh, If that's a thing that works out in terms of the relationship between the service provider and the publisher and also intrigues players, then that could be an interesting possibility because for us, For as much as it's easy for us to sit here on a podcast and say to companies like Google and Amazon, like, you guys are dumb, you're doing it all wrong. (laughs) Like, if they both went into this scene and didn't try and create a Netflix-like solution in terms of the library of games available to people, then there's got to be a reason for it. And I don't think the reason is as simple as they just want more money. But maybe I'm I'm wrong. I'm sure, I'm sure the problem at the moment is, you know, like how much uh, how much it costs to provide the service versus how much they, is, they want to get out of it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But for me, and I think what happens in the long run is um, and where, why you see things like Netflix becoming a reality is the technology catches up with the desire to implement it in a certain way, right? Like you couldn't have had Netflix 10 years ago in the, in the way it works today because people didn't have the internet connections 10 years ago. You couldn't have had, um, that's why Blockbuster still existed, right? And maybe in however many years' time, computing, uh, server side stuff, um, bandwidth and stuff all become cheaper that they can provide it. Um, who knows? Maybe today it's not the right time at the moment. It's not viable for them, but it doesn't seem like a viable product to me. Like the yeah. idea that you're going to pay um, fifty nine ninety nine for a game on Stadia and then cancel your subscription and then lose the game that you pay $59.99 is madness. But Yeah. I, I feel like also everyone's crazy. becoming like weirdly aware of digital ownership and stuff like that. And I still remember, mm. I don't know if this is a weird deep cut for anyone, you, Jonesy, if you, you might be able to relate, but when you would buy versions of films, and again, I know who buys films physically anymore, but that had a Blu-ray and a DVD and a digital copy in it. And yes. so many times I'd open it up and I'd look at the leaflet and triple, I'd say, triple play, mate. There you go. 
triple play seems like more value for money and everyone thinks oh a digital copy maybe I'll, it'll end up on my phone or something like that but the amount of times I opened it saw it was like it's some service called ultraviolet or something I have to sign up and it's <laughs> yes. a new account and am I really going to keep tabs on what I own and don't own and where my library is I just kind of don't bother and that's me not you know, making use of a version of a product that I already own just because I don't really want to interface with that service. That's pretty damning. And when you apply that to video games and the idea of like, do you really want to have a Google Stadia account indefinitely just because you own a game like Cyberpunk on there? Maybe not. I don't know. Nice. Digital ownership for me is a real strange one. I've had some odd... Uh, interactions with companies over the years where I've bought like films or music or whatever and Mm -hmm. then you um, cancel your subscription or you change phones and then you lose all of that stuff and I'm like well but I don't I own that and they're like no you're just paying a license to us to have it and I'm like what I wouldn't have done it if I knew that was the reality of the situation imagine the scenes the day that like Valve goes out of business and Steam (laughs) gets shut down and people realize they didn't own any of it Utter, utter madness, yeah. People, entire music collections just disappear. Entire yeah. video collections disappear. Entire, you know, it's crazy. People start emailing Gabe, Gabe at Valve.com being like, sorry, mate, I, I, owned, I thought I owned 300 games before, <laughs> but I can't access any of them now. And he like, replies back like, yep, you should have invested in knives instead. That was oh, the real man, growth it's, market. It's, it's, and it's just it's spreading as well, because now you've obviously got Epic and you've got GOG and you've got all these other places. Um, I, don't know, so I don't know how they all work. I don't, I don't know if GOG's the same, but... I think if all of these places have a similar model, then yeah, you're going to lose all of your stuff if true. they go down. I think I have to use GOG to um, play that version of Cyberpunk that I've got behind me. Okay. I think, so okay. I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. I already have an account, though, because they gave away The Witcher 3 for free uh, a little while ago for people who owned it on other platforms. It was strange, but they did it. Hmm, interesting. Uh, okay, yeah, so talking about Cyberpunk, yeah. let's talk about a little bit of Cyberpunk news because we can't get away from it. Um, <laughs> Even everyone if we want to, to hear, everyone loves to hear about it. But actually, this week has been a little bit dry as well. So um, this is probably the biggest news story that uh, that is out there at the moment, and that is that um, Steam has seen a seventy nine percent drop uh, in daily players since the release of Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, which, um, on the face of it, seems like an absolutely massive reduction in the amount of people playing it. Um, right. It, it does get a little bit kind of nuanced because so if you compare that to uh normal um normal other games uh, it's kind of typical for first person shooters in the first month or so to or you know in that time frame to lose the about that about 80% of their player base um but I think the reason this is a bit standout is because open world games don't usually follow that same trajectory they usually That's maintain more of their audience so you've got this odd thing that cyberpunk is is it open world? Is it first person sort of? Is it a first person game? It's both, surely. It's yeah. mainly an open world game, so it shouldn't have lost for sure. If you'd asked me what I expected to see from this uh, kind of the statistics around this stuff prior to release, I'd have said that Cyberpunk should have followed a similar trajectory to you know Bethesda's open world RPGs, your Fallout's and your Elder Scrolls games, and, and so on and so forth. In that, yes, there's going to be a certain amount of fall off because it's single player. And there might not be that much repeatable content uh, and and so on and so forth. But because of the open world nature of it, because of the fact that this could be a game that you put over 100 hours into to see all the content there is to see, you yeah, you expect slightly better engagement than, you know, your bog standard FPS, which... I don't know. Because that's but, so linear, right? The, uh, if, you, if you're playing like Modern Warfare, for example, it's a very linear um, narrative. And once you've gone through that campaign once, you've yeah, done... Yeah, exactly, exactly. You've done it. 
And then the, 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 I, it's interesting as well that this is Steam. So not not even, or you would imagine, obviously some people with low-end PCs might have suffered, but you'd imagine this isn't necessarily even a protest against the way the game performed, uh, which was a huge uh, issue for a lot of people on last-generation consoles. This is theoretically the people having the best experiences with this game. Do, but do you think this is people like you who have said, not now, later, for whatever reason, but on the game's part or on life's part, or do you think this is people finishing it and saying there's nothing else to do? I, I'm kind of torn on it, right, because reading through the articles and the, the stories about this, it's it's kind of interesting because not only have you got, um, obviously, the uh, controversy with the launch and everything that's happened, yeah. and you've got a lot of people who have, who uh, maybe got a bit of a bitter taste in their mouth, but you've also got the fact that this was a game, a record-breaking game when it launched on Steam. It was over a million people were playing it. Um, and it was, and like I said, record-breaking. So yeah. even having an Massive. 80% reduction, we're still talking about over 200,000 people that are playing it daily on Steam. So it's a massive game still. Like, compare that to some of the other games that have, you know, peaked pretty high and then gone down, and we joke about a game which has 500 concurrence or something like that. Like, uh, if, I mean, let's get, do we want to compare it to a month after the release of The Avengers? Like, it's, it's not on, I mean, bounds of reason, you know, scales yeah. and stuff. Um but, uh, I mean, it's still a massive, massive drop. You've also got the Christmas period, and I think there's also there's always going to be a, a lull um, in Christmas, New Year, because people have got lives. <laughs> Even game, despite what some people have you believed, gamers have lives as well and families and stuff, and we've got other things to be doing. And maybe Christmas Day and Speak for New yourself. Year's Day. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, fair enough. Um, there's, there's other stuff to do, and maybe those, you know, we're going to put a game away for a little bit. So maybe some people did tuck it away and think, January's nearly here, it's Christmas Day, I'm going to hit it again after they do um, they release some more stuff. Because um, now there's a strange kind of... The hype train is building a little bit more, I'm going to say, in an odd way. Interesting, okay. So be, um, another part of this story which was interesting was that CDPR actually had to come out recently and um, debunk... Uh, a a post from someone, I think it was on Reddit, where they basically said, I'm a dev from um, CD Projekt Red, and the, the reason the game kind of failed is because of um, we cut a load of stuff out and we had all this stuff that really did work very well, but then um, some stuff kind of got broken right at the end and we had to take it out of the game. And I think they even referenced specifically uh, the police AI and they said that we had a great AI system for police, but someone did something that kind of messed it up. So we took it out, put the crap AI in, yeah. but we're now put it, getting in a position whereby we can put it back into the game. And that was a very popular story. And you even had CDPR come out and say, this is not true. This person's not a dev. They don't know what they're talking about. We wouldn't respond to They said on Twitter, like we wouldn't normally respond to this. Um, it, but it generated a lot of track. I found the... Yes. Uh, it wasn't originally on Reddit, but I found the version of it right. that made its way onto Reddit. And uh, from a fairly small subreddit too, uh, r slash gaming leaks and rumors, and it has 6.2k upvotes and and a number of awards uh, for whatever they're worth. So yeah, it was, like you said, it was picking up some steam before uh, CD Projekt Red and Jason Schreier <laughs> stepped in Jason, to try yes. and debunk Jason it. Schreier, I think so he that. referred to it as fan fiction, right? Yes, he did, yeah. Which is but then, great. But the Okay, do you, do you get what I mean if I say the hype train starting again where people are then believing a post where they say, oh, it's coming. All of the things that yes. make C- Cyberpunk perfect, it's coming. Well, yeah, because like, 
this is this is the way we're geared, right? Where it, it, it's all very reactionary and it's all short term, and it's something that those are terms and ideas that we throw around a lot, and we all acknowledge, and we're all you know capable of doing in some respect or another ourselves, and yet we don't check ourselves when we're actually doing it. When No Man's Sky was at the Game Awards just a couple of weeks ago, and you and I were watching it live, and No Man's Sky won Best Ongoing Game, no one that I know or speak to or interact with, be it in person, in the flesh, or online anywhere, through all these different communities, stood up and said, this is outrageous, this is, this is bullshit, No Man's Sky should never be awarded for anything because they, they should still be apologising for everything <laughs> they did to us at launch. They should still be apologising for the broken nature of the game. They should still be apologising for the lies. Sean Murray should never be given a platform because he looked in the eye, he went on Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon or whatever he went on, he looked in the uh, eye Jimmy. and he lied to us. And that's why I will never accept that No Man's Sky... Do you know who said that? No one. Now, no. partly it's because it's been a few years and maybe a few months will be a different story for Cyberpunk. But we've, we all like rooting for the underdog some, at some point and what this process has done eventually, and, and it's still the process, I believe, is still going on sort of rumbling away beneath the surface, is, has made CDPR and, in, in, as by consequence, Cyberpunk the underdog. And I think when we're talking about, I mean... I don't believe this this leak, and I don't think you do either. But let's say what the time frame that it keeps referring to of June. Let's say there is a refreshed and rejuvenated, almost bug-free version of this game that's working well on all platforms and maybe even has some new content put in for good measure and so on and so forth. Who doesn't want that? Who wouldn't celebrate that? And I think we'd all pretty quickly forget about everything that went wrong. I, I honestly think we would. Some people wouldn't. I'm not suggesting everyone would. There's a lot of anger, a lot of vitriol out there, and it, a lot of it is justified. But I think the majority of people, like you said, Jonesy, can feel the the murmurings of 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 some kind of you know revival, some kind of you know comeback story, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, and they and they 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 like it and they want it. And I can't really blame them that much. It's interesting because you you talked about No Man's Sky because actually. Um, there was none of that with No Man's Sky. There was, I was someone who enjoyed that game who thought, I, I actually don't think um, that people were fair to them in some respects. I think they people were right to call them out and, and with No Man's Sky, with the stuff that didn't wasn't in the game that they said there were. But I don't think it was quite as bad as people made out at the time. I yeah. think Cyberpunk's different. Cyberpunk is bad and probably worse than yeah. a lot of people have said. Um, one of the, we talked about, this is a piece, this is Steam, so this is PC versions. I actually think they underplayed how bad it was on PC um, because they, people kept talking about how, oh, it's consoles, the poor console people, the poor PlayStation people, the poor Xbox people. All of the th worst things I was seeing and reading reviews about were nothing to do with like bugs and glitches that were kind of annoying and T-posing. It was the broken systems, the things that weren't in the game, the fact that the AI, the AI didn't work and none of that was any different across um, the different versions. It was yeah. all the same, uh, the same stuff. Agreed. Um, so I think the, the problems that they have, the, the difference I think with um, No Man's Sky was there was no murmuring. There was no hype train. There was no, uh, this game's going to come, come good. It was like, let's just chuck them on the fire because they've, they've um, lied to us, disastrous. But then over the years, they gradually kept releasing stuff, kept putting out new patches, kept doing things. And they kind of rebuilt this, um, well, they, they, they managed to build back up, you know, a lot of respect in the industry and people saying, wow, they've done insane amount of stuff that we never thought they'd do. Cyberpunk's a little bit different because we apparently are already kind of giving them a weird pass by believing that it was going to be great. 
but it was the evil overlords of CD Projekt Red who put it out before it was ready, but the devs Mm -hmm. had made the perfect game. And that kind of feels like this, and that we're like, just get to June and it will be, it will be the cyberpunk you all wanted. Yeah. And I don't think it will be. I never think it's going to be that game. I agree. And I I I think think that's what's what's depressing about this, uh, this leak, right? Is that I don't, I don't think they're, obviously, to debunk it entirely, there probably isn't some crazy uh, underground system under the city that got scrapped. There probably isn't improved police AI or enemy AI that's ready to just get dropped right back in. They're, they're definitely not rewriting the entire code base for the PS4 and the Xbox One to get it running better. These things not only aren't happening in all likelihood, but they're also not going to be ready in five months' time. Right. I think we're looking about a situation where even when the February and March patches have dropped, they're still largely in damage control. I think they're still just trying to get those games to be acceptable, and I think that's the level that they're still struggling to get to, acceptable. I think to get to get from where I am at with Cyberpunk to where I was hoping I would be of Cyberpunk and how that world works, there is so much work to be done. Um, I don't. I, for me, it's a year away at the like getting halfway there almost. And we've spoken about it before. I never think they're going to get to the point that people think this they're going to get to by the second patch in the earliest year. I don't think they're ever going to get there on the playstation yeah, 4 I agree. and the xbox I, agree. Um, I don't think it's possible i think not having it as buggy as it is but it's always going to look the way it looks it's always going to play the way it plays and it, again it's a very good game it's a game that i'm definitely going to go back to personally um like i said i've put it on a back burner for um until the patches come out just to get rid of some of the bugginess because for me the the gate i'm still enjoying the game but the bugs can be a real pain in the ass um but my thing the things i really wish they'd fix are the issues with the game but I'm already resigned to the fact that those things are never getting fixed. So I'll make do with the bugs getting fixed. Yeah. And then I'll finish the game and, um, you know, delve back into that world. I, th- I think that's what we're going to have to live with. And I'm, I'm right there with you as someone who owns a copy of the game on PC that is waiting. There are some days where I think to myself, what am I waiting for when it seems clear both through what they need to do and also what they've said they're going to do, that February and March's priorities are still probably going to lean towards the console versions of the game, which millions of people still own and haven't returned and are in the most desperate need of attention. Um, yeah. I guess, but there is also that, there's always that glimmer of hope. But then sometimes I wonder, I forget if I've done this, said this on the podcast before, but I remember there's an analogy you sometimes hear about game development and finishing a game. And I think as editors, we can also relate to this to a certain extent. And I always heard this said about Red Dead Redemption and the reason Red Dead Redemption was never ported or remastered in, in to any other console, not even the PC is that sometimes uh, getting a game over the line and finishing it and getting it out there is a bit like when you're going on holiday and you filled up your suitcase so much that you have to sit on it for half an hour, you get your, <laughs> your, the family in, everyone sits on the suitcase and just, just, just the two bits meet and you get the clip down and it's like, it's like oh my God, we fucking did it. We've got more shit in the suitcase than ever should have been here. And just as you're celebrating and high-fiving, your wife walks into the room and says, can I slip this pair of socks in there? That pair of socks is the patch, is the thing that fixes the bugs, is the thing that improves the AI. And there must be, I don't, again, I don't know if that analogy uh, flies when it comes to Cyberpunk 2077. I don't think anyone outside of CDPR knows that for sure right now. But I always wonder, I always remember that when it comes to game development, that idea of like, this is, it's the reason every Warzone patch is 50 gigabytes when they tweet a gun. Because game development isn't like, oh, I'm just going to go into the .ini file and remove and you know turn the bug slider down. No, you know, like they have to open the whole suitcase. Yeah, put the sock in the and then repack the whole thing. 
Exactly. And then release a 150 gig update. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, yeah. And, and, and hope that SOC didn't dislodge or displace anything else in the process. Yes. yes. Hey, we fit the socks in there, but now one of your flip flops, we've closed it and they realized one of your flip flops had slipped out the side and we didn't notice. And we yeah. didn't notice because there's no way our team of even a thousand testers could possibly replicate the scenario of what happens when 8 million people pre-order a game and all play five hours straight at midnight at launch at once. Because <laughs> those, are, those are scales that we're not able to replicate, funnily enough. Game development, huh? We don't even do it and we, uh, we joke about it. It's, it's really, I find it so interesting. I mean, game development is, is kind of crazy because I think the, one of the things they do so well is they make us believe they can do stuff they can't do. And I think that's part of the problem. Um, it's it's the, like the best thing, but it's also part of the problem because in creating an open world, um, it's got to be one of the hardest things to do as well because open worlds have to seem almost realistic, right? They have to mm. seem living, otherwise they just don't really work. Um, and I think one of the things they manage to do, that the games that do it well, is they manage to convince you that the game is more than you know, a bit of terrain, a couple of characters who happen to start acting in a certain way when you get a certain distance from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to kind of convince you of more of it. And the, it's very, very easy, I guess, to get a few of those things wrong or for the game to be bugged in a certain way that you just start to see those edges and it ruins a lot of the experience. And I guess that's what they've got to try and do. And like you said, sticking one patch over one area is not going to change fundamentally, you know, like huge parts of the game in order to make that world seem f- like that it works for everybody it's it's yeah. they need to do so much to it which is a sh- and it is a shame like i really hope they do because i i love i do really like that open world and i can i think i can see through uh, like some of those edges that if they manage to sort out some of that stuff it would seem like an immersive really cool like open world but again it's going to take probably years i said a year maybe it's going to take years before that game feels like it should and it will be when they feel brave enough to say do you know what none of this is coming to the current gen or previous gen this is all playstation 5 xbox series x pc and onward because we cannot do it yeah yeah Um, yeah, exactly i think i think there will come up it won't be a popular day but there will come a time where they come as close to cutting their losses as they can afford to do uh when it comes to those previous gen versions yeah um but i, I should also say actually that um so you you said the number eight million pre-orders for uh um cyberpunk 2077 mm. so up until the 20th of december they hit apparently 13 million copies sold um of the game so, so let's put some perspective on this they have made an extraordinary amount of money they have sold <laughs> a buttload of copies of this game so um Chances are they, like, because I think I said in a previous podcast that there was a really tiny part of me that was worried that because of the problems with the potential lawsuits that were coming um, and because of refunds and things, could there be a possibility that the game would never get finished because the company would get into trouble and that? I mean, I think, no, this game's massive, it's epic, they've made money, um, so let's let's cross our fingers. Plus, like, I know not all investors are particularly smart, um... And it was funny, if you listen to that emergency board meeting or whatever it was, it's clear that some investors are more clued into what's going on with the game than others, uh, and that's always some, inevitable. Sorry to interrupt you, but some of those people on that call, genuinely, I was like, do they even know what they're talking about? Oh, I've God, never played no, a no, game. No, no. I, I almost certainly they haven't, right? Like, that's uh, that's not how that business works, I wonder, at the end of the day. But um, what I was going to say is that more clued-in investors will be inc- increasingly aware 
that in this day and age, there is nothing wrong with launching a bad game if you have the tools and the willpower to make it good or to make it right. Uh, there's nothing wrong. Well, the, uh, actually, let me let me rephrase that. There's nothing stopping you from launching in a state that underwhelms players, only for you to eventually claw back their respect and 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 ultimately their money. I mean, the last decade has been. I was going to say the last decade has uh, cooked up more sort of like. Uh, redemption stories and redemption arcs than ever before, but it's because the last decade is the only decade it's ever been possible in the history of video games. I mean, that's the right. way that games have changed, right? Is that things are live in ways they never were before, um, and, and and CDPR and Cyberpunk will benefit from that, and that's why I'm not too worried about their long term ability to do everything that they can possibly do to it. But then, as you've said, some things probably won't be possible. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you get to the point where you start to talk about, well, you know, Cyberpunk twenty seventy eight is going to be, uh, <laughs> but you know, um, one of the strangest things, or just to touch on for the last thing that um, in this leak, uh, I think I'm right in saying it was in this leak, um, where they were slagging off Keanu Reeves. Was that this yes? Leak? That was in this leak. Um, they said it which was an odd, an odd addition. If this were, actually was like a, a kind of not a real leak thing because the, the person basically said the <laughs> guy that we go on sorry have you got it there in front uh, of you yeah, uh, uh, yeah so I've, I've, I've got it in front of me um, he said I don't want to hate on Keanu but fucking hell our original Johnny was way cooler and sounded like a maniac think full test on crack don't appreciate his acting but he's a very nice man walked up to us personally to greet us on the first day took time to personally thank us one by one when they wrapped up recording for anyone that's listening and hasn't isn't keeping up by the way this isn't this is all bullshit that this person's lying they don't work for Sleep Project Red, and this is all not true. But um, well, okay, the, let's let's say it's ninety nine percent chance they don't work for the CD Project Red. It's all bullshit. There's still a tiny sliver that this is just like a, you know, that that it is true, and it's actually just insane. And that well, CDPR have tried to. So this, this is where you can kind of really go down the rabbit hole because essentially what this goes on to describe is a scenario which had emerged as a leading fan theory, maybe a few days or a week prior to this leak itself, where people went back to some of the original resources around the game, be it trailers or press releases or little things that CD Projekt Red had said over the years. And it was clear that at one point in time, uh, Johnny Silverhand's character wasn't meant to be as instrumental to the plot as he ended up being. Right. Uh, in fact, there was there was one point in time where I believe there was heavily implied that Johnny Silverhand would be one third of a smaller element of the game, where it would be about sort of like who your idol was, your life idol, and part of the kind of the role playing element of that. And that at some point over the years that changed. They put a bigger focus on uh, Johnny Silverhand and subsequently Keanu. Uh, the amount of lines he got went up. The his involvement in the in the main story went up. And again, I, I'm not. In the in with Cyberpunk enough to sort of really dig into the evidence there is to suggest that stuff was cut and reworked around that character, but apparently there is some things that suggest that. And but and, it's, it makes sense. Yeah. Like once you get Keanu Reeves on board, it totally makes sense to use him more because then you can sell yes. a game 
with Keanu Reeves and then suddenly the game is going to be bigger it's going to have more of a draw it's going to you know unless that leaves you in a position where you are scrambling to get together an actual story because again I won't be able to find it now but I think it originated on the Cyberpunk 2077 subreddit which has been an absolute joy for uh, probably a month or two now if you ever need a laugh just uh, head over there but it's essentially someone compiled all the evidence they could that the entire story for Cyberpunk 2077 was basically born in I think it was 2018 they realised that prior to that, the story that we know today right. didn't exist. Um, wow. And so the leak that we were talking about, the alleged leak, kind of doubled down that by suggesting that perhaps like Keanu's star power and the, f- the fee they were paying to get him in to begin with and so on and so forth. And some people even suggesting like how much he was enjoying doing the project and how much more he wanted to be a part of it, that everything, everyone kind of complied with one another uh, and and soon Johnny Silverhand and Keanu Reeves were a bigger part of uh, the project than initially intended, much to the uh, annoyance of certain alleged CDPR employees. I feel like I need to put the word alleged in there, every other word, just in case. Like there was, because um, I know that in one of their um, uh, Night City wires, they they actually talked about some other ideas of who they wanted to play Johnny Silverhand. And one of the strangest ones I remember them saying was they were thinking about resurrecting a dead rock star. Um, which, which, of course, would have been everyone cool. going, who the heck were they talking about? And immediately I thought, Kurt Cobain. I was like, is it Kurt, are they thinking Kurt Cobain? Is that who they're thinking? Yeah. yeah. And, and and you know what? That would be, I, I don't know how you go around resurrecting Kurt Cobain in, in terms of sort of likeness and voices. You probably piss a lot of people off. But It would be the, a terrible idea if they did I that. I think, I don't... I, when you say it as Kurt Cobain, I'm like, yeah, don't do that. But when you say about the idea about resurrecting a dead rock star to play that kind of a role, I'm like, yeah, do it. It's just the issue is no dead rock star for reasons of, you know about life and death can voice themselves. Um, I'm not much yeah. of a scientist, but that much I gather. You you must be able to get a decent. Um sound alike because one of the pluses about the fact of someone's dead is if they've been dead for a while you haven't heard them talking for a while um, (laughs) no one knows what that person sounds like anymore yeah to be honest i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to play a uh a uh what's a kurt cobain inspired johnny silverhand and identify someone that well obviously i wouldn't know it's not kurt cobain (laughs) but i wouldn't know how right or wrong they sounded I think because um, when when I heard about that, I thought it suddenly made me think of not a dead rock star, but you know, thinking Kurt Cobain. Um, I suddenly thought how good it would have been if um, uh, what God was his name? The the other guy from Nirvana, the drummer, Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl would have probably made a crack in Johnny Silverhand, but Do you know what he would have? And, and he's a, and he's an actual rocker. He is an actual rocker. Well, there you go. But um, yeah, so Cyberpunk is still a bit of uh, an unknown quantity at the moment. Um, be interesting to see what goes on over the next couple of months. I apologise to anyone who's bored of Cyberpunk already. We will, we will have to talk about it again. But for now, we've got a couple of little, yeah. little fun, fun things just to mention, Jamie. Because um, the first thing that is going to come up, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say that this is this is a uh, not linked. Well, maybe I don't know if it is linked to it. Anyone who doesn't remember that Brexit happened in the UK finally and officially on the 1st of January, um, and this might be linked to that, but PewDiePie, um, who lives in Brighton in the UK, is apparently moving his company, PewDie UK Limited, to Cyprus. To, um, PewDie UK. PewDie UK. Uh, and some people don't seem too happy about it because I think the headline I read, Jamie, was... Um, 
UK company move into Cyprus. Yes, which which we had a good laugh about because, of course, the ironic thing about complaining about PewDiePie moving his company to elsewhere in Europe is that PewDiePie is also from elsewhere in Europe. Like, he's, we were lucky he was even based in the UK to begin with. The thing I don't know, Swedish. though, yeah. and, and Chris might know more about this, or maybe that's just me generalising in an unfair way, but is tax stuff different in Cyprus? Uh, I believe, yeah, I think Cyprus, if I remember rightly, Cyprus is a bit of a tax haven. Um, so I guess you'd play it, you... The idea being that you'd pay less uh, corporation tax, I guess, in Cyprus. Let me. I'm going to really quickly look it up and see if I can find it. I will um, say though that what I because I obviously I don't know until you tell me what the the tax situation actually is in Cyprus. This doesn't sound like something that PewDiePie does on his own. I don't think he sits in his bedroom after recording a Let's Play saying, you know, time to save a few G's on the old tax game. This YouTube isn't playing paying enough anymore. This sounds like something that someone in his team will come up to and be like, hey, Felix. Have you ever considered saving this much money on tax by doing this one quick trick? Like a little advert you get at the bottom of uh, those clickbaity websites. One trick they don't want you to know about to save all this money. And he just goes, <laughs> ah, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. Which I think is where PewDiePie is pretty much at when it comes to his entire career at this point. Ah, fuck it. Why not? Fuck it. Why not? I'm absolutely loaded. I'm, I'm uh, young. I'm, uh, you know, the biggest, the biggest dude mm-hmm. in the game. But not, not like I. Do you know what though? Even if it was him who said it, like I, there's such a strange thing that if you're an individual, and especially a global sit individual, like so, PewDiePie makes money on YouTube, which is a global platform, which yeah. is watched by people all over the world. So you tell me that he's moving his headquarters of a, of his company to another country. I haven't told you the tax rate yet in Cyprus. You haven't. But whether it's got a more favourable tax rate or not, like. Go wherever the hell you want. It's not like he was a doctor in the in their health service who got trained for free and then pissed off to make money. Like he he could move his company wherever the hell he wants to. Yes. That having been said, the corporation tax is twelve point five percent in Cyprus. So compared to compared to what here? change twenty. Okay, so yeah, he will save money. But I'm I'm also pretty sure. Again, this is actually I don't know what I'm saying. I'm pretty Sorry, sure nineteen nineteen percent in the UK. Okay, 19%. I have no idea, but I feel like there are also other places you could probably go where it's even lower. I'm not suggesting he isn't yeah. trying to save a few quid, but I I. I but you're if you're an international company, um, and you you operate on the internet and it's global. It's almost like you, you almost have to say, it's almost a strange decision to decide not to have the headquarters of your company in a country where you you make money and you have people who would watch your content because YouTube is global. It's almost strange to not move your headquarters there because it's effectively going, yeah, I want to give a few million a year to this um, to the country that I but live in. But as someone who moment. lives in the country that he's taking money away from, are we meant to be angry at this? I, I, from what I read, I think I'm supposed to be angry, but I can't be because he's not my. If like I said, if he was making money from you people in the UK, like when Amazon and Starbucks or whatever were selling coffees in the UK and then not paying any tax in the UK, like yeah, be annoyed about that. That's fine. But most of his views don't Pro- come. Probably from the sells UK. merch to some, a lot of people in the UK. Might yeah, he might do, but I you know I I guarantee that he sells it globally as well. I guarantee the vast oh, majority of his views aren't from the UK. Like no. I don't know. I, if we're supposed to be annoyed about this, I can't be. I'm like, yeah, Felix, feel your boots, mate. Yeah, you, uh, might Are as you, well. Is that if you were a celebrity, would you uh, would you do one of these offshore accounts? Would you be in the Cayman Islands or whatever they're called? If, if you mil- Swiss bank account, Jonesy. It depends. Like it, it. So if it depends, right? If if I had a company that made all of their money in the UK, operated in the UK, the, everything was in the UK, then I would stay in the UK. That's where my headquarters would be. 
because I feel like you should, right? Mm. That kind of makes sense to me. Um, but if you're an international company, I think do whatever the hell you want. I think one of the strangest I ever heard was um, uh, people were getting on, uh, and this I can see this a little bit more, but I still can't. People were getting on Lewis Hamilton's case for like being non-domiciled in the UK for tax purposes because um, they were saying how outrageous it was that he wasn't paying um, you know, all the income tax in the UK. I'm like, the dude didn't want to pay 50% of his income when he works literally in every country of the world. Like, what a surprise. Yeah. It's not that surprising. Like, they, those people literally travel from country to country to country. And do you know who the bloody worst are at this, just in case anyone's wondering? The film industry are absolute hogs when it comes to... They set up companies when they go to a country and they get tax breaks. And well, yeah, they get yeah. like weird backdoor deals where they almost get paid money to make films in certain countries. It gets very strange. Well, yeah, if you want to be pissy, be pissy at, a, um, at film companies for doing it. Yeah, but then also like the countries make the rules. Like when 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 Vancouver or whatever city it is, it's like, hey, come <laughs> yes, and pretend Canada, it doesn't yeah. matter if it's New York, LA, whatever city you need, come here and pretend <laughs> it's here, like, and we'll give you money for it. Like, uh, who wouldn't take that deal? Yeah, no, that's true. That's very true. And now that's, but, uh, now yeah, that's so what you, those cities are famous for. But no, I think I think like more power to uh, more power to PewDiePie. He's got a company, makes a shitload of money. Um, do you know what? I bet he spends a lot of money because he lives in Brighton. I bet he spends a lot of money in the UK. So um, I'm grateful for those bucks that he didn't keep it in Sweden all this time. I bet the Swedes are more annoyed that he's kind of... Probably, yeah. They're probably thinking, actually, like, fuck, can, couldn't you just bring it back over here? For you? I don't know. <laughs> is that is Does he count as one of, the biggest, one of their biggest exports now? What else does is Sweden famous for? Oh, wow. For? He must... Ikea? Meatballs? Oh, go, oh Ikea. Ikea. Joel Asp. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Joel, any Swedes in here? Joel, comment. Tell us. Are you annoyed that PewDiePie is moving his um, company to Cyprus? Would you like his tax money? Would you like his tax money? Uh, but there you go. That was a little, uh, a random little story for you there. Not even really linked to gaming, I suppose, mm. but kind of tangential. It's been um, a, it's been a slow news week, and I know we've used that excuse before, it but it's been an actual slow news week. Funnily enough, first week of the entire fucking also, year. We don't have Chris here to. Um, like you know, lay on all the controversies and uh, rant and stuff. Exactly, like he normally does. We've, we've got to make up so, for it. We've got to make up for it. Um, so the last news story uh, that is gaming related, Jamie, is about Minecraft Earth being axed. Yeah, the day has finally come where the game that no one even knew was out is going away again. <laughs> do, do you know the day that I learned of the existence of Minecraft Earth, Jamie? <laughs> it was it? It was today. <laughs> Because you told me about it. Yeah, well, this, was, this was kind of an interesting up. one, I guess, because like we said, it's been a slow news week. This is technically one of the biggest stories that we noticed as we were doing the rounds just before we recorded. And I guess what's interesting about this is less so that Minecraft Earth is going away because, as we just illustrated, when people don't know about a game, we can't be too surprised when it fucking disappears again. That's what Amazon experienced with Crucible earlier this year. Make a game that no one fucking knows exists and they won't play it. What's interesting about this is that this was a full-on Minecraft project, I believe still developed internally by Mojang and obviously supported by, I mean, Mojang are still owned by Microsoft, I believe, so that was still the hierarchy there. But the 
more interesting backdrop to this, and this is something we were discussing about before, Jonesy, and arguably was the reason we included this story, is that while it seemed logical that Minecraft Earth would struggle the most it's ever done in its existence, it's admittedly quite short existence, in 2020, because of the coronavirus pandemic and the fact that everyone was stuck indoors and couldn't play what is, for anyone that didn't know, uh, an AR game inspired by the likes of Pokemon Go, um, because they were stuck indoors. I should, so I should- I should just say that they they specifically reference the pandemic as the reason was why they're pulling the plug on yeah. Minecraft Earth. The big but the but that everyone's waiting for is that Niantic have reported that Pokemon Go absolutely shat on everything else during 2020 when everyone supposedly couldn't leave the house. So I d- I don't know what the situation is there, but the numbers around what Pokemon Go was able to do this year were kind of spectacular. It was, it was an interesting one for me as well, because when we were talking about it just before the show, like I actually um, told you about the fact that I just pre, um, re-downloaded mm-hmm. uh, Pokemon Go today, uh, funnily enough. Um, and I didn't think about this before, but um, so so my four-year-old has got into playing uh, Let's Go Eevee on the Switch, and he's absolutely loving it, and now he's obsessed with Pokemon. Um, and so we were trying to figure out, like, I'm not that au fait, so we're trying to figure out how to get him, uh, he wanted a... Machamp, am I saying mm-hmm. that right? A Machamp. And you have to do some weird trading thing. And basically, you can trade between Pokemon Go and Let's Go Eevee. So we were trying to figure out if this was doable. Um, so I re-downloaded Pokemon Go. Uh, and my wife actually said to me, oh, like, well, I can't believe we didn't think of this. When you're, like, taking the kids out for a walk, walking the dog or whatever, what a great thing to take and, like, let him play, the four-year-old, when you're walking. Because it gives him, an, you know, something to do when you're walking around. And he already says when we go for a walk he's like i wonder if i'll find any pokemon in the woods today so she sort of said oh this is a great idea that he can play that so i do wonder if part of the um uh the rise of pokemon go in the pandemic is people adding a little bit of flavor to you know their um daily exercise that they might be allowed to take it's true it's true because even in lockdown well as we are now in here in the in the uk we are still allowed as you said to go out at least once a day for exercise and for a walk and yeah, maybe people will need to spice that up a little bit. Um, it, I will note that, however, what I'm reading from the Wikipedia article, that they did apparently implement new features which allowed it players to play the game from inside their homes, um, right? which uh, saw a increase in the amount of monthly active users. Um, that number rose by about 45% between January and August. January, of course, when most of the world was yet to actually fully feel the effects of the virus. And August, by the yes, time, was yeah. the time the whole world was pretty much in the thick of it. Also, the game's revenue in 2020 was the highest in its history, exceeding even its 2016 revenue. Um, in the first 10 months of 2020, the game generated $1 billion of revenue. Jesus. Yep. That is incredible. So, uh, yeah, fair play to Niantic. But it does, again, to go back to the news story, create a fascinating contrast between the AR game that had its most profitable year ever in the midst of a global pandemic and the AR game that's shutting down. It does, Yeah, it doesn't really make sense to me. It really doesn't, but... Um... Oh, but then I mean, hey, you know, you even said this. You know, you you just said it about games that um, you don't know they're out, they exist, and so they they don't work. No one plays them because they don't know they exist. And Pokemon Go had an incredible launch back in 2016, had an, a massive install base at the time. So maybe they managed to keep a certain percentage of those people. Um, you know, they managed to do the right things in order to get people playing it this year. But um, I, do you know what? I don't even know how they make money. If I'm honest, and Pokemon Go, I'm sure um... you buy. Pokeballs and berries and, yeah. and candies and stuff. But I think yeah, I think you buy shit that you give to the Pokemon that kind of levels it up, and then 
people catch multiple of the same Pokemon, and I don't know if they. Uh, I think you can then you can level up your Pokemon by getting multiples. Yeah, which you know what, Jamie? I think for the next week I'm going to be stuck playing it. So um, you can be our Pokemon Go expert, our man on the scene. Are we the Pokemon Go expert? Expert, yeah, yeah. I'm looking. So I'm looking. For, I'm looking forward to hearing. I'm looking forward to coming back this time next week to tell us that all you've played is Pokemon Go and this time the week <laughs> after to tell us that you hadn't played any more Pokemon Go. Oh, That's usually how that. it goes. One week will be plenty. Yeah. And then I'll be out. It'll be good. Probably too much. Yep. And you'll tell us. You have to tell us how incentivized you were to put real money into it. And maybe that's how we'll know. I won't be. You- my kid, oh, Jesus, my kid is like, he is so, like, grabbed by the, you know, just buy these gems for ten ninety nine. He comes to me with his, like, he'll be on his iPad. He'll be like, can I play iPad? I'm like, yeah, you can play it for a bit. And he'll come over to me and he'll be playing, like, a game, whatever it is, and he'll show me and go, I can get this this uh, creature if I can unlock it for this many gems. And I'm like, yeah, that many gems cost, like, 50 quid. And he's like, well, let's, should we buy it then? I'm like, no, we shouldn't buy it. That's 50 quid. Yeah. That's real money. Oh God. Uh, he would be he would be one of those ones racking up two hundred and fifty thousand pound bills if it wasn't for the lock that my wife had put on it. You've, you've got to be yeah. so fucking careful with that shit. I mean, I like don't get me wrong. I'm sure we all had those phases when we were a child, but just by the nature of what we had available to us, like there's there was no equivalent even in your and my childhoods as much as they were separated by a couple of years, like. There's no equivalent to being one button press away from spending a hundred pounds on a virtual currency that can only be spent no. within one app or game. Like it's it's almost unfathomable and kind of frightening. And it ends then that you all the stories end in the same way. They spoke to the company to ask them if they could be have the hundred thousand pounds written off, and the company go, "Sorry, no." It's yeah. like what. You uh, absolute bastards. Although I, I do feel sorry for kids because I know that if I was growing up in this day and age, I would have been obsessed with microtransactions as well. And one of the things I do like as oh, an adult too, yeah. is that we can, and <clears throat> often I often do, make, I was going to say sensible decisions, but let's just say our own decisions around microtransactions. And if like if I see a skin I really want on Call of Duty, I'll, I'll, drop, I'll drop 15 quid. Like, I don't, I don't really care. Like... Maybe, maybe, uh, I think that's yeah. fine if you're playing it. I think that's totally fine if you're War, playing the Warzone game. changed my uh, my outlook on it completely because I think I've played uh, been playing Warzone pretty much non-stop since March. It's but far away my most played. It's going to I think it's going to approach my most played game of all time, which isn't saying much because I've never really got truly into something before. But you I was playing with you guys like we said earlier with you and Martin earlier. Um and it's kind of cool when you guys drop in and you go like, oh, look at that skin or look at that operator, look at that weapon. Look, what's that animal he's got with him? What's that animal he's got with him? And it's like, you know, this is what happens when you spend, you know, eight months sticking with a game, buying and and fin- buying and finishing every battle pass, spending the odd bit of money on a, on a pack that you want for certain operators and, and so on. You kind of, and I get that's what, where Chris is probably at with Dota as well. You end up building, you know, a whole... You have a whole shitload of stuff at your expense, um, at your fingertips, and it's a game that you still play, and you don't feel like you wasted money yet. No, and and you kind of haven't, right? No, nah. because if you're paying, if you're paying and you're playing, I mean, it's it's fine, and it's, it's one of the models that um, I think gaming has actually kind of gotten right when it's not 
using manipulative tricks and psychology to try and get you to spend more money is actually it seems to work quite well yeah. right you're getting the joy the joy out of playing the game and you're spending a little bit of money here and yeah. there to get some stuff to improve your experience they, they've been borderline before on warzone but they they mostly have got it right do you know what I haven't played any yet? I'll leave you with this. I haven't played any uh, Assassin's Creed. Not Assassin's Creed. Watch Jesus dogs. Christ. I haven't played any Marvel's Avengers, oh, Marvel's Avengers. after the um, uh, the update where they dropped uh, old shooty McArrow face. Um, the female Hawkeye who is called Kate something. Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop. Kate there Bishop. you go. Yeah. yeah. That's another one where it's like they're probably putting it... I, I don't know for sure, but I'd imagine they're thinking about that game a lot they're doing stuff, little things to it all the time. Maybe, hopefully, bigger stuff going on behind the scenes. Certainly in the way of characters, but also I'd, I'd love to see environments, um, mechanics, you know, objective types, enemy types, and so on and so forth. I'd love to be able to come back to that game in a year, PS5 version or something like that, and uh, find that I can have a blast with a whole bunch of shit I hadn't seen before. That is, see, that's a game that they could, I think they pretty easily, not easily, but they, they, they pretty well could fix, you know, in a way that people would be quite happy with because they could build an entirely new location with some new enemies, effectively just skins, but they just look different and get some new mission types in there. And I think you'd have a lot of happy people, but you would, you know, it's sort of the bit different to cyberpunk and obviously that they have to, don't have to rebuild the entire thing. Yeah, in Korea yeah, for eight years, exactly. But, exactly. Um, Makes things slightly easier. Um, yeah. Well, I was going to say, um, we have managed to do the, possibly the, the, the one thing we needed to tick off the list is it's just the two of us, which we've passed the one hour mark. I will say that <laughs> anyone that was hoping for another repeat of the, was it three hours, 20 minutes three that we managed hours, yeah. uh, just prior, prior to Christmas is going to be disappointed. But um, there is one more thing we kind of had uh, lined up that is going to be a little bit sort of um, haphazard in the way we, we go about it because we ha- didn't have as much time to... Uh, Prepare it as we'd have liked, but prior to the podcast. But do you, do you reckon we go for it, Jonesy? Uh, yeah, why not? We can do. <laughs> that, that was the least sure you've sounded about anything I've asked you about in a while. Uh, no, let's do it. Let's do okay. it. I, for, I actually forgot about it, but yeah, let's go. For oh, it. you forgot about it? Were you already? You were already? You were getting ready for bed? <laughs> yeah, just about. Okay, yeah. we'll make it quick then. I apologise. Basically. <laughs> um, Something that we've done before, we actually did it this time last year, one of the first episodes, I think it was episode three, episode two, episode three of the Super Show, and even, weirdly enough, Jonesy, the year before that, when the Super Show was still a part of all-time gaming, is uh, predictions. Predictions that uh, we ourselves have made, or certain uh, industry analysts or insiders have made for the coming year. What we've done in the past is we have assessed predictions that other people have made uh, and then made our own. And the fun thing about making our own is that the year after, we can come back and we can assess the predictions we made last year, see how right or wrong we were, and make a new set for the coming year. Which, if you you know, anyone who's got their kind of their content cap on is sat there thinking, this is brilliant. That gives you one easy, guaranteed, surefire podcast uh, a year. (laughs) And you'd be right. But we fucked up last time. Uh, Anyone that goes back to listen to our podcast, uh, again, I think it was episode three of the Super Show from this time last year. We did uh, go back and listen to our predictions from the year before. We had a few jokes and a few laughs at how right and wrong some of them were. And we looked at a few uh, industry predictions and gave our thoughts and so on and so forth. We didn't make any predictions, really, um, which means we are essentially left at square one on this one. 
but that doesn't mean we can't push ahead by pulling out some predictions that, again, other people had made, and I thought we could throw some things out here now. Uh, I'll keep it fairly snappy where possible, um, just to uh, just to keep things moving, um, and because it's just the two of us, and it's a shame to not get Chris's input on a lot of these issues, uh, and then maybe we're left with something that we can work with next year, although I'll be honest, we've probably fucked it again. <laughs> How does that sound? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. So um, one that's uh, come up a couple of times, and I will say that was actually brought up this time last year and that Chris and I both got wrong, I believe, and that is whatever the heck the next Switch is going to be. Um, we've had a, a Switch right. Lite. We uh, believe we're due some kind of Switch Pro, to use the terminology that seems to get banded around a lot nowadays, but it keeps not happening even when everyone thinks it will. I think it was you who thought it would happen in 2019. Chris and I both thought it would happen in 2020. Uh, the question is now, does it happen in 2021? VentureBeat, I will tell you, believe it will. That's their uh, that's their reporting. Oh, I'm gonna, Do you know what? I'm going to go crazy and say no. Ah, interesting. Because, because they had a massive 2020. Um they had a phenomenal year, like uh, sales wise. You know, they, yeah, they, yeah, sure. Sales wise, sales wise, they had a phenomenal year. Um, but I think there's a hell. Of, I think they've now got an, a huge captive audience who've got the Switch, who've only just bought into it um, in 2020. You've had the the giant of a game that was Animal Crossing, um, and I actually think that maybe what they need to do if they're not doing it already is focus on some. Uh, really good games to come out for the Switch, not worry about a Pro, and then maybe the Pro drops in 2022. So I think they need to double down on this system. Do you know what? If this was a thing of what I want to happen, or I think should happen, I'd be right there with you. I'd be far more interested in Nintendo doubling doubling down on great first-party software in 2022 than hardware. But I feel like as someone who put my neck on the line to say this thing would be announced or in 2020, uh, 2020 and was now wrong, I feel like I have to do it again. Otherwise, like I, I don't know, then I'd be more wrong than I care to admit. Um, I don't know either well, way, but... I want to say this because the Switch Lite came out this year, didn't it? I think it might have technically been the end, the of, end of the year before. End of 2019, I'd guess. Oh. Am I going to be able to quickly find out when it was? Maybe. Uh, you know what? I'll keep making a few noises here and there. I'll say some <laughs> words and kind of keep things going on in people's ears. And, you know, you can do now your second Google search of the last 30 seconds because the first one didn't work right. And, September uh, 20th of 2019. So there we go, yeah. So no, it, was, it, was the, it wasn't even the end end. It was the beginning of Q4 for 2019. Okay, no, yeah. Oh, see, that's, that's rough because that, I thought it was the beginning. I thought it was like the Q1 of this year. Sorry, of 2020. No, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say no. Fair enough, fair enough. This one, I'm curious to know what you're going to think about because you're not a fan of the series or necessarily the the company behind it and the console (laughs) it will influence. But I wonder if that distance actually lets you have a more rounded opinion. Um, This one also from VentureBeat saying that Halo Infinite will put Microsoft back in the game, to use their wording. Uh, that essentially everything that's gone wrong with uh, Halo Infinite's reception and the uh, reshuffling that has gone on behind the scenes at 343 Industries with regards to their uh, new leadership and the new people being brought on board will sort of almost rally Microsoft's and 343's efforts to make sure Halo Infinite is everything it could and should be. 
Uh, he's talking here, the, this writer for VentureBeat, who said that uh, they could double down on marketing time now that they've got a bit of distance, esports tournaments, multiplayer, and so on, so on and so forth. We've already seen some tie-ins, like a Monster Energy brand deal that accidentally went ahead even when the game got delayed by an entire <laughs> year. Do you think it's possible that Halo Infinite uh, has a notable impact on the on Microsoft and Xbox's success, or do you think it's going to become just another Game Pass game? No, I think they've missed the boat. They needed uh, they needed it as a launch title. They needed it to um, give Xbox that kick up the arse on le- on relaunch uh, on launch because it was always going to be an uphill battle for them anyway against the PlayStation uh, Five, and I think that they've missed it. And you're effectively just going to get the same thing you always get with Halo games. Um, but normally you get it, you know, it seems to come at better times in that you're just going to have Halo players playing Halo games and it's not going to convert anyone. It's not going to pull anyone in and you're not going to get any extra sales. And it's, and yeah, I think it will go, it probably will go to Xbox Live or Game Pass, sorry. Probably will I know, it will, it will have to be Game Pass day and day anyway because it's first party. So that, of course, that yeah, already of course. means that sales aren't, aren't going to come into question, which then makes it kind of... Blimey, yeah. Like, what is the Actually, metric I think success? I almost think it's going to be one of those where um, it's going to come out, it's going to look a lot nicer, but I think uh, it's probably going to underwhelm in yeah. some sense. I can't see it. I can't see it being one of those Halo games that people talk about with any sort of great, uh, what's the word, reverence. I think people are going to go, oh, there was a there was a Halo game that looked nice, um, which will be a shame because I I still think there's a great Halo game out there that you know will turn. But you don't think Halo maybe is even it? me? Wow. I don't think Halo Infinite. I don't think. I Halo think Halo. In, if there is a great Halo game to be made, I think Halo Infinite is their last shot at it. I don't think. Oh, it really? Is, okay. Yeah, I think it's by dropping the naming conventions and creating a Halo that, even if it is chronologically still a sequel to the rest of them, feels like the most standalone. The fact that it's going to be on Game Pass day and date. The fact that they're trying to incorporate elements that have worked well for other games, like um, the sort of the semi-open world design that. Uh, filtered through into games like God of War and uh, Gears 5 in recent years. I think they're trying to make the most approachable and new player-friendly Halo they've ever made on the biggest scale they've ever made it. And I think if this one doesn't work, I think there's... I, I don't know where Halo goes next. That's what I, that's what I think. That's why I doubt there's room right. for another opportunity after this. If Halo Infinite flops, I don't know what you do next. I think the weird thing for me about like having games when they're trying to pull in new audience, and it's always the big problem, is you risk alienating the existing audience, existing audience because you have to change things. And people go, well, now you've made it simple. You've ruined this. You've nerfed that. You've changed this. So I don't like this. I don't know how that works. It's not Halo. And you kind of risk not pulling in new people and putting off old people. And I, yeah, everything I've seen of it, I don't know. In One thing that struck me about the whole release debacle that they had with Halo Infinite was... If that game was incredible and just looked crap in the release stuff that they did, I feel like they still behind the scenes would have said, yeah, but wait till they play it because they'll be blown away. True. But but you didn't have that. You had a, <laughs> holy crap, we have to rework all of this and make and improve it and, and rethink everything. I think that's because they, I think that's just because they wanted to fire it to fire on all cylinders. I don't think they wanted to release the latest entry in their marquee franchise alongside a new console and sell it on the gameplay. But then, but then for me, it's kind of it, that's almost like a bit of a could could have been a weird bonus if the game was incredible 
and you had all these people go, it looks like trash, it's rubbish, look at all these visuals, et cetera, et cetera. But then when you actually play the game, you are blown away by it and you think it's great and it's going to pull on these new people. Yeah. It's a weird one because I kind of think, because didn't that happen with um, God of War is that they were doing, they were making it, someone played it and said, this is trash. And they basically went back and reworked the entire game. The, the, there was a lot. Like, if you watch the uh, the sort of documentary around the making of God of War, that's uh, what you can watch it for free on YouTube. I think it's called Raising Kratos. Um, there's a lot in there about how some elements of it weren't working through stages of production. They had a lot of uh, really negative feedback from both testers. And I think it's implied that uh, Shuhei Yoshida uh, at PlayStation went and, and played it and was like, guys, uh, this ain't it. In its current form, this ain't it. Right. Was, and I kind of think Halo needed to be the opposite of that, right? They need to, if, if it was that good a game, it would have been like, it might look crap, but it is it plays really goddamn well. And that's why we're, and then they release it, but they didn't. And I think maybe they don't, they're not standing behind their product. And if the graphics are really that big an issue in the release, then it's a launch title that was going to look nice, they hoped, and play well, and people would have snapped up. No, man, I don't think this is it. Yeah. But I, you said it, I know nothing about Halo, so I could be, I'm probably going to be so wrong. But we'll soon find out. We will. Uh, I, I, I've, I've got a couple more here for you. These are slightly more, not slightly more like, op- like basically, I like both of these predictions because they lean more towards the kind of stuff that you kind of talk about and speculate about. And I think Ooh. you particular will have some some cool takes on on these. The first one, a slightly simpler one, the idea that game streaming and movie streaming could, to a certain extent, converge in that uh, movie streaming has become bigger and bigger. Hollywood companies and their owners are starting to, uh, as if they hadn't already, really pour money into uh, streaming movie and TV shows uh, to you know play catch up with the companies like Net- companies like Netflix and now Apple and Disney and HBO and NBC and so on are all really kind of trying to pull away from the pack. Uh, this writer speculates that someone in that marketplace will see the convergence of technologies and the economies of scale could do could favor a company that brings game streaming and movie streaming under one roof. Um, like they're speculating, like what if Disney uh, bought Electronic Arts and included EA games under its Disney Plus service? So as a part of Disney Plus, you've got the movies you can watch, you've got the Star Wars films you can watch, and the Star Wars games you can play all streamed to you, all part of the same package. Thoughts? You're pulling faces. No. No. Okay. No. Okay. I, th- I think the I think the barrier to entry for me, and the, like we talked about of Stadia, the, the infrastructure to provide streaming gaming is insane compared to, as I understand it, because you have to have the hardware to play the games. You can't just have servers that you farm out to someone else and you pay for. Like you need to have Hang on a second. virtual systems. Is this to- is this a question a, a question about uh uh cloud uh, streaming video games off the cloud where Jonas is actually considering the 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 infrastructure restrictions that might uh restrict ability uh, company's ability to provide the service. No. Jonesy cloud always- gaming is going to take over the world by 2021. <laughs> Because I have always thought that a big company with the money will come and, like a computer company, will come and do it. And because that, I think that they will solve the issue and that they will be able to, they'll, they'll crunch the numbers and they'll go, we can build the infrastructure and provide the service and we can do it for this much money. And if we can get, you know, 50% of the entire gaming market, we will be laughing. Like, 
if imagine if a company, imagine if Google, like we said, did Netflix for game, if that's what Stadia was, but every time you spent some money playing uh, playing um, a Rockstar game, every time you played an Epic game, they got a slice of the pie. Of Every time you, you bought something, they got a little piece. A company will figure that out, but it's not going to be a movie streaming service company because I, ju- I think those two things are too different. Okay. Do you think about a company like Amazon that technically do, uh, at the moment, offer both services independently of one another could potentially capitalise on that room for conversion? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So someone like them, yeah, okay, that's yeah, that's much more likely to me. But um, so 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 okay, possibly then. But yeah, just not like a Disney or a Netflix or okay. whatever, because I think they're too different in what they're trying to do. Uh, I'll end it on this one because this is right up your alley, okay. And I'm going to have <laughs> to read a lot of this one because it's 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 a fairly nuanced prediction. And uh, you didn't tell me what you thought about that last one. I think, um, I, think I think it's possible, but I don't think it's a big deal, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. I guess what I think is that I don't think the traditional movie streamer uh, and the traditional game streamer have much in common, the people who only do one or the other. Um, and I guess with game streamers, you're talking about people who theoretically would, more so than people that are, because there isn't a huge audience for it at the moment. And I think that the people who do both, they already pay for multiple services at once, if right. that makes sense. Um, yeah. And so... Uh, I, I, I think people who pay for a movie streaming service and get gaming in it in there as a bonus would be like, okay, fine, cool, it's a bonus. People who pay for a gaming service, and I don't think people who want to game a certain way will start doing so because they can watch movies for free. If Stadia announced that their big new plan for 2021 was that you could stream Wonder Woman 19, 1984 right now for free with your Stadia membership, people wouldn't sign up to Stadia. So I guess what I feel is that there's just not that massive an overlap. I don't think there's that much of an appeal between the two worlds. And I think so many people already have a foot in where they're comfortable at the moment um, that it won't change that much this year. That's not to say, though, that a company won't try it and make a a package that becomes increasingly appealing over the coming years. Like, it's not to say that it won't happen. I just don't think it will inform that many people's purchasing decisions. I, th- I think it could happen in the future, like be- through a, maybe a uh, two companies coming together. Like for me, the day that it will be the thing is when Netflix, in like three, four years' time, whatever, announce that they've merged with another gaming company, and or like let's say they merge with Sony, and all you needed was a PlayStation controller, and you could play any new Sony game uh, on Netflix. Yeah, and all you had to do was add ten pound a month to your subscription. Uh yeah. Then then. Especially if you had the the pulling power of something like a first party Sony title, like again, that's the other thing with all these services, right? As with the movie streaming services, the bigger the IP you've got, the bigger the title you've got, the more of a draw yeah. you have. The reason, you know, something like Disney Plus can really quickly take over the world uh, in terms of the amount of subscribers they've got, while other services might have struggled to gain their footing as they enter the market, because of the fucking the library. It's because Disney's yeah. Disney. Because they've they they don't even have that much good original content at the moment outside of the Mandalorian, but that's still the thing you have to go for for anything. I remember this time yeah, last yeah, yeah. year, uh, my my brothers, uh, much younger brothers, they're not really on the line or that online or that tech savvy or anything like that. Uh, so this time last year, the the first season of the Mandalorian had all uh, had all been put out on Disney Plus, and I thought a great Christmas present for them is I'm going to burn the the Mandalorian to a to a Blu-ray or to a DVD or something and give it to one of them as like part of their Christmas present because uh, the idea of like Disney Plus wasn't even out in the UK by then um, right. and I spoke to my dad this time 
this Christmas this year, Christmas just gone. So just one year's time and um, asked him what he was watching with the kids, you know, maybe one of the days between Christmas and New Year's. And he was said he was watching one of the Star Wars films and he'd lost count of how many times that they'd watched them. And I said, have you done The Mandalorian? And he said, to death. He's lost track count of how many. <laughs> and it's like in, in one year, you know, I've got the, the, we're talking about 10-year-olds that went from not understanding what I meant when I said there's a Star Wars TV show coming out. Like they didn't, they right. couldn't wrap their heads around what that actually meant and what that would look like to now my dad has to pay for Disney+. Plus. And my dad was already <laughs> yeah. one of those guys who's like, my dad was the guy who canceled his Sky TV to pay for Netflix. Like he doesn't like having too many of these plates spinning at once. But you right. can't say no to Star Wars and to Pixar and to Marvel. And to, they've just got too many things. And I think it's the same with gaming. As soon as you have to have a service for a Rockstar game or a Sony first party game, it's game over. It's game over. No, I, I see, it, it's interesting. Like I could see it happening whereby, like I said, two companies coming together. But I mean, Disney's an interesting one for sure because it would be a cool one to have. But yeah, I, just, I don't see it happening, especially not this year. But um, no, I think, I think you're... Um, you're right about the way that it can turn. It's like only only a year for your brothers to go from like that yeah. to that. Is yeah, it's, it is it is a big thing. It is. Um, let's wrap the wrap it up with this one, um, and I'll, I'll try and explain this Ooh, one as yeah, best I can. It. So uh, the, this writer for VentureBeat talks about an idea that you've talked about a lot before, uh, the Oasis, um, and uh, from, from Ready, Ready Player, Player One, one. Uh, yeah. and the idea of a metaverse controlled by a single company that offers gaming, movie, TV, and other entertainment services so that you never have to leave it. Um, he says the uh, the metaverse should offer a rabbit hole of fun for everybody, whatever your particular preferences. There are many ways for it to emerge. Netflix could launch a vast game world full of uh, its entertainment properties. Epic Games or Roblox or Minecraft could create a metaverse for their fans. Every company that has amassed an audience has to make that audience more engaged and more social, and connecting fans in a world, preferably a game world, they never have to leave is my expectation for a real metaverse, not one that tricks us by trying to by trying excuse me, not one that tricks us by being a metaverse in name only. He says a lot of companies will try and fail to create what author Neil Stevenson envisioned with Snow Crash back in nineteen ninety two. That's a reference that's lost on me. Uh, but I'd like to see it succeed soon. It will take years to build and perfect the metaverse, but let's start it in 2021. I realize it will take time, but we need this for our own mental wellness and every other reason as well. I'm not sure I'm right with him on those last couple of sentences. The idea of people getting lost in metaverses, then in his own words, they never have to leave. Doesn't sound great for mental wellness. Fresh air, sunlight, social contact (laughs) in person are all good things when you get uh, uh, the right amount of them. But, is that something? It's kind of you can see how I it's I mean, it was tied to the thing before this idea that companies like uh, Netflix or or you know Microsoft and 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 Epic and so on and so forth with all the various properties they own and how they do span different forms of media. Could you see someone trying to put the baby steps towards some oasis like you know universe, metaverse, whatever you want to call it? that doesn't obviously have to exist in VR, VR ownership isn't there yet, but that connects all these things that people want to interact with and their friends in one space that they theoretically never have to leave. Yes. Okay, cool. I'm glad. Now we're future thinking. Now I'm going to, this is the fucking Beyblade moment. I'm doing the ripcord. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let them rip. <laughs> tell, tell me, Jonesy. So the reason, I think this is a thing that's been coming for a long time. I think there's a lot of, um, 
The metaverse idea, I think, is a really exciting and cool one. And I think the only reason it hasn't happened to this point is because uh, everything's like delineated, right? Everything has got its own little corner of like gaming or whatever. And I think we're seeing some, um, we've seen a lot of steps toward, you know, companies coming together, if if it's through cross-play or whether it's through, um, you know, games going across uh, different consoles and things. And then you, when you add in like um, a lot of online stuff and a lot of online worlds and um, gamification is obviously a really big thing nowadays, whereby you don't just play a game. You don't just interact with it to be this one little thing. You have all these uh, side things where you can get, you get points for doing this and you can get out your house and you can have your, you can update your, um, your avatar. I I don't understand why to this point no one has taken that one step further already. And in the past year, um, the company who have I think have already started to do it uh, in baby step ways is Epic um, right. with Fortnite and a lot of those uh, you know the, the music video release I can't con- con- his name. concerts film premieres exactly all sorts. exactly trailer releases and I went and took part in I think only one of them I actually missed out uh. on. The coolest one was what's the rapper's name? Who Travis, did the, Travis um, Scott. That was the one that I went to. See Travis again, and, again went to. Like we're doing <laughs> it already. To. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Like I, I watched that back after the fact. Um, Agreed. And I, you know, spoke to you about it afterwards. I thought it was absolutely amazing. It was epic in the way that they are. Uh, they called their company. <laughs> um, and one thing that's nice about how Fortnite has managed to integrate that is Fortnite is kind of a wacky. Uh, almost metaversey game already at the moment it seems like you're inside the coliseum fighting gladiatorial combat but if you said to me you can now do racing if you said to me someone broke through a wall in the side of there, the, there the is, island i don't know if they've actually gamified it but there is a thing where i can't remember what we were doing but me and my friend uh we he did take me to a part of the map where we both got in cars and there was a track that was a part of the map right. and I, I can't remember if it actually had like like a lap counter or positions, but or if we were making it up as we went along, but like the uh, the um, the roots of that kind of a system were in there, as an example. Right, exactly, and I th- I think when part of the problem with it at the moment is like different games use different mechanics, um, and they feel very different. And I think you're trying to trying to sort of fix that issue is, is probably one of the biggest things. Is how do you connect? Um, a racing game to a third-person action game to a first-person shooter because all these things behind the scenes are very, very different. But I don't think it's, you know, I think we're getting closer and closer every day. And I do yeah. think you're going to get to the point where people want to go into a game and enjoy it and go and watch a movie in the game with their friends. I think you're right in that VR doesn't need to be a part of it. I would have said, I would have been of the opposite opinion a year ago. Um, but I think VR has not come on much in the past year. Yeah. Kind of how I thought it might. Agreed. Um, we still want to see what the PlayStation 5 and the next iteration of the PlayStation VR is going to be like. Um, I'm actually really excited for that. Uh, I was kind of blown away by the PlayStation VR, not because it's the best, um, not because it is the it's cutting edge, but because of how accessible it is and how well used it was in some instances, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, makes And sense. I want to kind of see where they go. But yeah, the day that you can sit down, put on a headset if you wanted to and get into the metaverse or just look at it on your TV screen and play some Battle Royale, play some racing games, go to a square where you can walk around and change your yeah. clothes. Like, yeah, man, why not? I, I can see that. Fortnite apartment, Jamie. It's I mean, you, this it's conversation coming. did remind me of a thing. Do you remember PlayStation Home? 
Yes. Like that yes, was do, yeah. a very primitive version, I guess, of a metaverse where it asked people to create an avatar uh, for themselves and walk around these, you know, these pre-designed three-dimensional spaces, uh, socialize and communicate, communicate with other people, be them friends or complete strangers, and engage in activities together. And the issue was at the time, obviously, with the power of the consoles at the time, the you know the average internet speeds and so on and so forth at the time, the, the experiences within that metaverse were not of a quality enough that could sustain interest in it. But I don't know when someone's, like this guy's writing, I don't know when someone's going to start to you know, put down the building blocks to work back towards it. And I think it would have to be, be building blocks. As you said, with Fortnite and Epic, it's easier to see this growing out of something that already exists than something being launched as an intentional metaverse from the start. But yeah, you look at, look at something like VR chat, which probably, I don't know the stats, but it wouldn't surprise me if that was like one of the most popular VR games in the world at the moment. And it's like, that's people putting on a headset just to kind of sit around, you know, virtual lounges as avatars and, just talk to people that are near them. And it's not yeah. a, a crazy thing to say like, Hey, we, we just met in this virtual lounge. Like you're this is a, crazy. I, you're an anime girl and I'm, I'm Scooby-Doo. Um, <laughs> and if we walk that way and hit that button, we'll be playing a match of this first person shooter together on the same. T- we'll be left for dead. We can go and start a round of left for dead three over there in co-op. And then when we're done, we can leave and we can come back and we're here and we're in the lounge and we're chatting and then we can go watch a movie. But the thing for me that keeps it metaverse is you need to still be Scooby-Doo when you get into Left 4 Dead 3. Ah, I see, You need to carry... So I want to see my avatar get in the car at the beginning of Gran Turismo. Mm -hmm. Like... I need that connectivity. I, do you know what? Actually, I'll, I'll even say, like, it doesn't matter maybe if the mechanics don't quite work and if the FOV is different and stuff like that, but as long as there is a thread of connectivity, and I think what the Oasis had, which is I think is kind of integral to a metaverse, um, multi, yeah, metaverse idea, is that you need, you need the illusion that your character is going through each one. And if I win a race in a racing game, I need to get, XP that maybe will let me update my car, but it also needs to let me maybe get something for my avatar. A new jacket. A Grand Turismo jacket. jacket. I'm going to show what I shouldn't say this because I genuinely think that I could sell this idea and I've been wanting to do it for ages and I've wanted to reach out to them for ages. Uh, But why, when I go to a supermarket and I use a loyalty card to buy food or whatever, why don't they tell me that? hey, if you buy two bottles of milk today of this certain type of milk, you will get double XP points, which go towards a character that you have that will give or that will give you a specific hat or shoes or something for an avatar that... Because imagine you going to the shops of your Yeah, kid. but you say, you say supermarkets. Like, in what no, metaverse do I want, like, a, a, a Tesco hat? No, no. So or, a, in, or a Waitrose sense- T-shirt? So in the sense of like, let's say it was Epic did a deal with a te- with Tesco's and you went to Tesco's and you could get a beanie for your uh, Fortnite character. But it would be a Tesco's beanie. beanie. No, no, it wouldn't. It would just be a beanie. It was just like an orange beanie with a green bobble. But you could only get it if you went to Tesco's and bought I think that's, two pints I think, of milk. I think that's an interesting idea, but implanting it in a UK-based supermarket chain <laughs> and saying you have to buy milk for it, it's lost a lot of its appeal. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I bought a Papa, I bought a Papa John's it. the other day for a Call of Duty uh, thing, uh, uh, thing, my Bobby. One of the things that hang off the side of your gun. Oh, the charms. Yeah, yeah. the charm. So See, some exactly. of, sometimes that stuff exactly. does happen. 
But I, I think the way to do it wrong, I mean, the Marvel way of doing it, where you could get virgin skins and it said like virgin media on you, it's awful. But yeah. if you, but if you could get something desirable, you could gamify the real world. And then you then you talk about like Pokemon Go, right? Po- um, Pokemon have been fantastic at doing it. And Nintendo for years have been really good at doing it in trying to integrate the real world with um, the game world and saying, if you go for a walk and you take your Pokemon with you in this little walk thing, then you can actually, those steps, you can find Pokemon that you that are hard to find and you won't normally find them in the game. So they're trying to, I think they're doing some interesting stuff with that, like over the years sure. Nintendo have. I think a lot of these companies are sort of nipping at the heels of the of this mm-hmm. of the Oasis, if you like. Interesting. And I don't think it's far off. So maybe we've wow, like we've talked about this for a long time, but twenty twenty one could definitely be the year and, that um, uh, we start to see. I will it. say, keep your eyes peeled on store shelves for uh, the upcoming novel Ready Player Three by Alex Jones. It's the uh, <laughs> it's the heart racing tale of a small town boy who discovers an Easter egg inside a pint of milk and gets a hat for it. <laughs> I, I don't think it's far off that supermarkets do it. I really don't. Did you read really Ready Player Two? Was there a Ready Player Two? Yeah, it was apparently no, very no, bad. Oh god! I'm, no, no deadly serious. One, I like it. It's a. I didn't the, there is there is a Ready Player Two. I don't know when it came out, but apparently it's not very good. The day the world ends <laughs> is when you can wear haptic feedback clothes and someone can give you a wristy. <laughs> <laughs> Oasis. I think that's the day. I think that's the day the world no begins, not the day the world ends. No one's, no one's leaving their house. No one's having babies because why? When you can go and get a wristy off a hentai girl in the Oasis, are you going to go to a local pub and try and get off with like? Yeah, but you need to remember, there. like, no, who's going to a local pub nowadays? Anyway, during a pandemic, like now has been the perfect time for. I reckon sales of sex toys. That's why your generation don't have kids. Don't, don't don't look at my generation. I'm I'm still not at the average age where men do it in this country. Uh, have kids, that is. Um, oh, okay. Uh, so it's the younger younger than you, probably then, of the generation who aren't who aren't even getting on it anymore. We don't know yet. You, actually, you you are actually the generation that are meant to be having kids, and you've done your part. Fair play to you. We can move on. But I bet you've got mates <laughs> who are your age who are still going like, Nah, I don't want fucking kids. Little little uh, things like that running around. No, thank you. Just funny. I mean, I have got one or two, but actually, it was weird in the, the for the last couple of years, everyone has just had kids. Even oh, the ones who said they weren't going to have kids, suddenly they've got two kids. You're like, I think I, I, that's got to happen a lot, right? There's a, I, what I find so fucking funny is that when I remember being at school and you meet like eighteen year olds who are like, "Oh man, I'm not having kids yet. Yeah, I just can't handle it. They're just so annoying." And I'm like, "You were a kid three years ago, you little shit." Like, that's yeah, whatever. I don't know. It's a funny one. Everyone's got their own reasons, right? But I think yes, I just yeah. always th- I just thought the idea that like finding kids annoying is a reason to not have kids when like the reason you exist is because of reproduction. The reason that your surname <laughs> is still in circulation is because of reproduction. the uh, The entire world works on reproduction. It's one of the only things we do that's of any significance before we die on the wider world. And the idea of someone counting themselves out of that whole system because of like they're just a bit annoying, aren't they? Oh, it always. Um, I get it, but it makes me. What's like, the thing? I do find it funny. Like the, the streets had a song. Where they say like, in order for you to be alive, every one of your direct ancestors. So two times two times two times two because obviously that's many you know yeah. parents, parents, parents uh, had to get to breeding age and have a kid, 
and are you really going to be the one to stop it? You'll be like, nah, and then you're at heaven. You'll be like, any, any, what, just pulling up, God pulls up your Ancestry.com page. Like, <laughs> just like, just before you meet the thousands of people whose bloodlines you've just ended, uh, what, why did you decide to uh, take yourself out of the pool? It's like, it's a bit, bit annoying. they're a bit too noisy, aren't they? A bit, bit too noisy. I don't really like kids, but I like my kids. I can get behind that. I can get behind that. I think that's true for a lot of people is that they say, I won't have kids I don't like him. It's like, yeah, but you, I, I don't like I kids. didn't. I didn't um, become more open to the idea of going beyond like being fine with kids to actually wanting kids, which I, it's a, I do now feel that way inclined uh, since I had younger siblings. Uh, my, my dad started having kids again when I was about, I think it was about 18, 19, when he started having more again. So I've watched three kids grow up since I, in theory, became an adult. Um, no, in fact, I was younger than that. I was younger than that. But I've been I basically old I've, enough, old old enough to feel like I was an adult watching kids grow up, and it's like they're annoying. Don't get me wrong, they're fucking annoying, but they're all right. <laughs> they're all right. They're all right. There's something about having kids around as well that's great. Like they are mental. Like my kids are absolutely insane, and I I do like it. Like they're f- my my two year old will yell at, yell at me and be like no you don't do that <laughs> like about something I'll be like come on mate it's time for come and have your dinner and you'll go like, no and he puts his hand he goes I want I'm the gems having, I know having dinner his new thing at the moment is to demand chocolate dinner because he, he, he's only two he's just yeah. turned two so his speech is not impeccable but he now for bre- if you say what do you want for breakfast he's like I want chocolate mousse <laughs> you're like you're not having a fucking chocolate mousse for dinner kid and he's like yes I will have chocolate mousse. I'm like, go on, man. Because he's, <laughs> he's a foot tall. He can't he go into the fridge. It's like Warwick Davis trying to get a chocolate mousse out of the fridge. It's not going to happen. It's funny how they uh, they get such a, almost like this superiority complex. Like, yeah, I could, they've reached the stage where they realise they can ask for what they want, even if they don't get it. And there are probably no yeah. repercussions for it. <laughs> well, there are sometimes repercussions. When you, my, my two-year-old does yell, Daddy just told me off. He goes, run into Mummy and goes, Daddy just told me off. And then, yeah, and then Mum turns around and says, yeah, you probably deserved it. What did you do? I punched my brother in the back yeah, of the exactly. Head. Exactly. One, yeah. one last question to end on. As a parent, <laughs> is we'll see a yes or a no? What's that? We'll see. Like, oh, Dad, we'll Dad, can we go to the party today? Yeah, we'll see. Oh, oh God, we'll see. Because mm, when my mum, my mum, we'll see was always a yes. Uh, for me, we'll see is both. Wow. It really is we'll see because it's we'll see if I just can't be bothered to decide now. <laughs> right, fair enough, yep. But often it's like, yeah, you are going to get it or I'm going to do it, but I don't want to say it because I don't want to commit myself to it, but then it does happen. But then sometimes it's like, oh God, maybe. It's, it's like a maybe, and then I'm not written. That's not actually happening. It's a nightmare. Whatever it is, I don't know what it's going to be. I get you. I the get latest you. one that I, sp- I spoke to you about just before this was I had a will see for the last three days because he was saying, I really want a Machamp in Pokemon and Let's Go yeah. Eevee. And I was like, what do we need to do? We need to connect. So we thought we could use an older version of Pokemon to trade with. You were saying, yeah. And so, yeah, we were trying to connect. So uh, big DS. old Uncle, Uncle Jamie has to step in. And James blow the in. dust off my copy of Let's Go Pikachu and save your Machamp. I was, do you know what I immediately said to Jazz, and this is going to be a little bit too much of a, too much information maybe, but I was like, I suddenly went, shit, we need someone with Pokemon Go. Not Pokemon Go, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee or, yeah. or Let's Go Pikachu. Who do we know that will have that? And I was like, come on, Peaswad's probably paid 300 <laughs> hours of it. 
Yeah, I bet he's got. You're, you're not wrong. It's just coming out as eyeballs. It's a switch game, and if if, if there's ever if you're ever any doubt about how much uh, of a certain switch title Peaswood has played, it's usually in the uh, the three to four figure in terms of hour <laughs> mark. Yeah, um, one of our one of our lovely patrons. One of our so, lovely yeah, patrons. Thank you, Raj. Who has, a lot, of, who, has actually, a lot of, who has a lot of Switch playing time on his hands. Shellshock was helping me out as well on the Discord by uh, telling me about how it works and stuff, because um, I, I am a, I'm not much of a Pokemon player, so yeah. There you go. So we got Shout out to those two, and, and shout out to all the patrons once again, especially everyone who's made it to the end of this. Uh, probably not, because we got some, we got, uh, there was some dead air at the beginning, I think, to get rid of, but we approached two hours today, I believe, somehow, not by some miracle. Off. We didn't even not want to. Off. Or need to. <laughs> we tried to and not it just have happened. it that long, but yeah, we went, it went a bit after dark at the end there. But um, <laughs> yeah, but you, do you know what? It's one. It a, it's one a.m. There's just two of us. Like we're allowed. Like, we, we could go for another three hours, and it would get weird. But oh yeah, like if we too. said to ourselves, we're not allowed to stop recording and just kept talking, which we're not gonna do. But if we did do that, it would probably be pretty fucking bizarre by the small hours. Yeah. Anyway, is that a good place to call it? I think it is, um, and I would say in the comments on YouTube to let us know that you got this far. I think you should just say, um, "Is Will C positive?" And then just see what people say. Is, we- is Will is- C? It's funny because I realised as I was saying it to you earlier and asking the question, "Will C is something that like if people don't, that's something that doesn't translate very well just said out loud." We'll we'll see. We'll see. So it is we we will see a positive. That's is Will W E Post, like apostrophe double L, yeah. You we'll you did that earlier. You didn't, what was the say the name of the thing again in the samurai movies when they cut their in, the, in, intestines out? Harry Kiri. Yeah, you said that, and I was like, "Is Josie trying Thank to you. make me recall a Japanese film directed by an Australian dude called Harry Kiri? <laughs> Harry Kiri. Harry no, Kiri. It's, it's Harry Kiri or Harry Carry. I'm not sure how you Harry say it. H R A I K A R I. There you go. Actually, yeah, just put that. Just put we'll see. So W E apostrophe L L S E. We'll see. We'll no, see. but put put we'll see Harry Kiri. We'll see Harry we'll Kiri. Some combination of any of those four words will do. do what you I want. reckon. Do it. Yeah, write whatever it's you want. One a.m. Go mental. Write, write, leave a message saying I didn't want to write any of the things you told me to write. So I'm writing this. Go crazy. Be a rebel. Yeah. Be a maverick. Go against the grain. <laughs> but look, thank you everybody for joining us uh, for the first, the first of like actual <laughs> first. Beginners, beginners, you mean to go on? That's what they say, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, we will see you next week, and hopefully, um, for I, I would imagine that Chris will be back with us next week. So uh, with a vengeance, with a vengeance. And which, you know what? Ask me if he's going to be here. <laughs> Jonesy, is Chris going to be here next week? We'll see. Yeah, I figured that was coming. All right. <laughs> Cheers, everyone. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye.